All right. So my podcast this uh, morning is with uh, my cousin, Tim Geigner. Tim uh, has, uh, uh, like, I think a lot of people out there should, if they haven't, and do think to themselves, I should write a book, whether it's a book about their life, a book, uh, you know, a, a fiction uh, work um, or something, but they should write a book. And I don't know, I think people get too caught up and I'm going to make some money and uh, I'm going to buy a fancy car and people are going to think I'm super cool because I have a fancy car, uh, which is complete bullshit. You'll be unsatisfied with your life if that's how you live it. But something writing a book, I, I would think that the hardest step in that situation is making the first steps to actually write a book. Like doing this podcast isn't very hard. Doing all the research that I had to do to get the equipment, to find out how to publish it, do all the other stuff. That was the hard thing to do. And then doing the first one where I was like, all right, let's you know give it a go. Yeah. So um, I think it probably comes back to why you're writing the book, right? Right. If you're doing it because you think publishing is cool, if you're doing it because you want to make money, if you're doing it for anything other than, um, I guess, purely creative reasons, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, start, right. Starting... I mean, everyone would like to make some money, but I think it's a byproduct of it. Like yeah. the podcast, if this podcast took off and I was making a little bit of money, I wouldn't be upset about that. It's not why I'm doing it though. Like I'm doing it for the conversations. Right. But so again, if you're doing it for the creative reasons, I can tell you like the reasons I wrote uh, the books that I've written as well as everything I've done online for Tech Dirt and the other places where I write is because when you get an idea in your head and you want to get it down on paper, if you are a writer, you will write it. Right. You'll write it no matter what. Um, so starting it for me was never the hard part because I'm egotistical and neurotic enough to think that when I have an idea that I want to write about that other people are going to want to read it. Um, the hard part for me was going through and rereading what I've written myself over and over and over again and trying to catch every last error and every last inconsistency. So, okay, so my favorite author, which it's weird for me to say that because, you know, growing up, I didn't have, you know, reading books was something I had to do for school. It wasn't something I wanted to do. But uh, a couple girls that I dated, you know, got me in in the uh, frame of mind that, uh, you know, reading novels and stuff. I would read a book, but it would be like, you know, um, some book that a guy wrote on George Washington. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because, you know, like you find all these like details about his personal life and it's like George Washington was a wrestler. And that like, like I'm like get the fuck out of here, but a whole mess of like old presidents or wrestlers. So, um, but I would never read fiction because I was like, oh, I only have so much time to be reading anyway. I'm gonna sit down and read some fantasy, you know, nonsense. But I'll I'll watch a movie that's you know fiction all the time. But I started reading, and uh, um, John Irwin is my favorite writer. Okay. Oh, just I mean, the Cider House Rules and and. Uh, um, I mean, there's a whole mess of them, the world according to Garp and all the other stuff that that guy wrote. But in all of his books, he writes about being a writer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a writer somewhere usually in most of the books. Yeah, Stephen King, same way, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, he's a writer, right? Like the, you know, the, the guy that got, what's the, Kathy, uh, one yeah, where he gets hot with misery. Right, 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 right. Uh, so did, did you, I mean, we, you know, we've known each other forever, but I, I don't think we ever talked about that. Were you big into writing and stuff like that when you were in school? Yeah. So I did a lot of creative writing. I used to <laughs> used to get through. So I was in junior high and high school. I was in honors English. Okay. And uh, I was awful at school in general. Just really, really bad at doing the homework. Really, sure. really bad at doing the things that you had to kind of do to check the boxes to get past. But I had a, I had a honors English 
teacher in junior high who used to let us earn extra credit or any type of creative writing that we did, we would just submit it so sure. she could review it. And sure. we clearly put some effort into it. Um, I used to get away with writing poetry, dumb poetry, yeah, right. poetry where I was trying to be funny, uh, short stories, long stories, anything I could do. Um, I mean, I started in high school writing fan fiction for shit like video games and things that I was interested in, just kind of learning how to narrate. Okay, so so explain that to, like, I know what fan fiction is, but like, I think there's people out there that hear that but don't understand what fan fiction is. Right, so you, you take, just take the story and then make your own story out. Right, so you take the characters, you take the situation, you can do it multiple ways. Right? You can take the characters. Uh, I think the easiest example would be the entire, uh, what's the book? Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Fifty Shades of Grey is, <sighs> fifty. well, a lot of people don't know this, Fifty right. Shades of Grey started off as Twilight fan fiction. Those two characters oh, sure, are the vampire and the girl from yeah. Twilight. And then when a whole bunch of people read the fan fiction, because she just created this brand new story, right? Same characters, but it's about BDS&M relationships. Great. So she wanted to write it down, got it written. And then somebody, after getting millions of views online and that type of thing, some publisher went to her and said, you could publish this, but we need to change it because you can't, you can't publish a Twilight book. Right, right, right. Um, So it's, it's just taking, you know, characters, situations, settings that have already been created. Uh, Think about it like, you know, if I took the characters from Misery from Stephen King and put them in a different situation, created my my own story around it, mm-hmm. that would be fan fiction. Right. Um, but it's a good way to kind of learn how to build narrative without having to do every last bit of the work yourself. Right. Right. Okay. You know, yeah, you know, sure, there's, sure. There's entire books written on character creation. Right. 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 Yeah, right. And I've seen like fan fiction on uh, Star Wars. Yep. So they'll take those characters and then make their own. So like. Uh, Marvel sort of does that on their own where they just disregard storyline and somebody who died, they'll just write another, you know, because comic books have been around so long. Like, obviously, Batman doesn't age because he's been around since the 50s. And, you know, he'd be 105 years old now and, you know, still being a Batman. Um, So they just like the Marvel Universe, the the guys that died doesn't matter. They write another Iron Man. And so what? Um, Where the and I think X-Men did the same sort of thing. Where it's like, right, 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 right. I guess that is a, not a bad formula to draw fans because then you've already got the baseline. You don't have to do an origin story right. every single time you do something. Right. Or, or if you want to, you rewrite the origin story. The point isn't sure. consistency in the story. It's just tell a story using interesting characters that those characters are already, already created. They've done half your work for it. Right. I saw a funny uh, meme that was um, the Fifty Shades of Grey and it said, like, Fifty Shades of Grey place in a trailer park to be a you know squad of cops out there looking for the guy yeah. the guy's a billionaire and it's fine but, yeah. you know. so again haven't haven't read the book haven't no. seen any of the movies i know my wife certainly has watched them all i guess there are three now hmm. um, but again that starts as started as fan fiction i started writing both creatively you know creating my whole creating everything wholesale and started writing fan fiction along with it. Next thing you know, I kind of learned how to put both together. Okay. And start writing novels. I've written three. So is any so anybody that's in your novels are they from somewhere else? No. Nope. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if they were some sort of fan fiction. Also nope. like that. Um, and that, that doesn't sound like a bad, you know, like with the podcast, I get a certain amount of subscribers from everybody's friends, right? So like, I'm going to do this one. I'll tag you in it, and somebody will listen to it. And be like, oh, it was pretty good, and then they'll subscribe. So like every time I do a podcast, this is episode 28, I pick up a couple subscribers. 
I would think that every time someone wrote something that had a character that they liked in something else, you'd pick up a couple fans because they're fans of Luke Skywalker or whatever, you know. You would think, right? There's, and right. there's people and companies out there that do things differently, right? Like Disney, now Disney and Lucas right. film before them. Right. We're both very good about letting people create their own Star Wars characters. They just saw it as increasing the fanship, increasing the users, or increasing the consumers. Right. Um, right. There are people out there who are very protective of what you you best not write anything about yeah, Nintendo yeah, properties, I've seen, right? Uh, right, I've seen your um, posts, and I, the, the, recently they have a lot of them, but like the copyright stuff that you would get into. And I'll, I'll come back to that later, but so, okay, so you, you, you're in a position where you're like, all right, I'm going to write a book, and you decide to write the book, and you sent me the um, electronic copy of uh, Echelon, right? Um, now, is there a hard copy of that somewhere? Yes, somewhere. Oh, recall when I wrote that book when I was twenty-five. Okay, so that's good. What fifteen years ago yep. now, right? Uh, so, um, so, okay, so, but if, like, if, if someone wanted to buy your books in a hard copy, mm-hmm. can they do that? They can. Yeah. Okay. All right. But mostly, it's an electronic download that people would do. To... They can do either. So, okay. I mean, I'm on Amazon. If you search me on mobile apps on Android. So what was the process for that? Like, because I mean, then you've got cover art and you've got all, all that other stuff going on. So I, I'm lucky enough that because I, I write for TechDirt as well about uh, technology law, policy, that copyright, trademark, yeah. that type of thing. Um, there are very talented people. When you run a website, you need to be able to do things like graphic arts. You need yeah. to be able to create icons. Sure, sure, so sure, sure. Tap into my network of resources. I've got somebody who actually created the cover art for my books. Um, they are also sold on techdirt.com, uh, just because they're, you know, friends of mine and they wanted to put them up there as well. But, right. um, the nice thing about when you do self-publishing as opposed to going, it's, it's nice when you go through a traditional publisher as well, but the technology's advanced so far at this point where if you want to release your book on your own on the, like for instance, Amazon Kindle store, they make a lot of that easy for you. It's all formulaic. It's input this and in, the, in these fields. Mm-hmm. You know, the average person, can they do it? Maybe not without some help. Uh, I'm in the sure. technology space, so yeah, I right. kind of know what I'm doing. Right. Um, but it's it's much easier than it used to be. The barriers are just not what they used to be. There used to be no way to get yeah, your book out. I think out. everything's easier than it used to be as far as that goes. Like everything that I do as a real estate broker, everything that I do with this stuff, for me, like most of even the, like, uh, you know, the podcast stuff, it took a little bit of time for me to figure out what was going on. Everything, I think the goal when they make all this equipment is to make it user plug and play, user friendly, yep. because then they're going to sell more of it and get it out there. Um, and I would guess that the publishing situation is set up where. Yeah, and not, not only that, they make it easy, but plus if you have, if you know how to use Google, like you can go figure out how to do stuff, right? Like right. I'm, I'm in the IT industry. I don't have a background in it. Right, right. I right. got interested in computers when I was young. I started filling with them, and then every last, every next Google search is okay. Well, how do I do X? Yeah, I right, y? right, right. And, oh, the YouTube videos that are out there for everything. Crazy. I mean, I, I constantly am, yeah, doing up a YouTube video and watching what to do for that, what to do for this. Um, it, it's an amazing. There is an amazing amount of it. I, I saw something that said that there's every minute there's three hundred minutes of stuff downloaded to, to YouTube. Yep. So like you couldn't, you know, pot, or maybe 3000. It's like some asinine, like you take you 30 years to watch what's like, you know, downloaded in a couple yep. of weeks. To, we can get to, to the tech policy stuff later with that. I mean, think of that every time you hear somebody say, why isn't YouTube policing what's on the platform? 
what the fuck are you talking well, about? Well, okay, so now that's in the news right right now with uh, Zuckerberg and the whole like uh, Facebook thing. And I come down on the other side of that. I come down on the side of, listen, you are, I, I think they are publishers. I think that you are a platform that people are publishing a lot of times nonsense. And we've already, and I don't know why there's not more outcry on it, because we've already had Pizzagate thing. Guy showed up there and shot the guy at the pizza place because he wouldn't tell him where the basement was. No fucking basement in here. And I'm friends with people who were posting Hillary Clinton is the sex ring leader for this basement pizza place, mm-hmm. child ring. And people believe that the guy went there with a gun and shot the fucking guy at the pizza place. So I think you are, you do hold some responsibility. And then I look at it also like, listen, we've got all this AI that can, you know, weed out some of that. You're also a multi-billion, you're making billions of dollars a month on Facebook. Hire more people. I mean, the way that we do work anymore, everyone does so much more work. They don't realize like, the, the productivity of the country has gone through the roof while wages have pretty much stayed the same. So like, you know, when, when we were doing construction and then you bought the pneumatic tools, that's a way of automizing, you know, automating the, the system, right? So I could lose two guys, which is great because employees suck. Like this bullshit where someone's like someone's a job creator – Ain't nobody ever made a business. They're like, oh, I want to hire all these fucking people. That's the last thing they want to do. People are paying the ass. They get sick. They have excuses. So as far as, far as who's a publisher and who's not in the responsibility for, for moderating the content. Yeah, good. So first, we can get into the colloquial version of whether they're a publisher or not. But by law, they are not. No, not right now. Right. Section right. 230 of the CDA, they are not publishers. They're right. not responsible. They are. They are. They have. But that was written when they were small potatoes, and now they're a monster. It was written less than twenty years. I mean, it's yeah, but that's that's how fast sure. this has grown. Sure, but but as far as moderating the content, just go back to what you said, right? For every one hour. Yep. No, no, no. I guess spent I got on it. YouTube, right? There's three. It's three hundred hours. Right. You're a you, multi-billion-dollar you company. You hire, can't hire your way out of that. Hire a hundred thousand people to do that job. You can afford them. But why? Well, because you have a responsibility to the public that because this stuff is put out there and people are living. So Facebook, when it first came out, was like this great thing, right? It was like, oh, look at, I was so happy to see people I haven't seen in 20 years, their kids and all this other thing. It's really become now where we've all retreated into our little bubbles of things because people don't want to hear uh, another point of view. What they want to hear is their point of view. But you're not going to moderate your way out of that. And there are 100,000 people. Great. Yep. It's the. It doesn't end with hiring a hundred thousand people. I, I don't think it should. I think AI would probably take it but, over and get but, it done. Can't do it now. No, no. But you work towards it. I mean, you, you can. I mean, put put the the political stuff to the side for a moment. Yep. What's porn on the internet? Nobody knows. Nobody's decided that. There's no. there's porn filters on Facebook right now, and they have taken down posts about that are for art busts that feature metal breasts. Yep. Can't do it. it. the The technology isn't there. The filters aren't good enough. I in agree. Europe, they just the EU just took down their porn filter because it was so. Or excuse me, the UK just took down their porn filter because it was so fucking bad. Well, that, well, that's another weird one too, right? You you can, you know, you can watch a movie where the guy, you know, the what's that Bruce Willis shitty uh, Death Wish one he did that was you know the the reboot of the uh, Charles Bronson mm-hmm. one, and it's just shit, right? He's just killing all these fucking people, and you know he's getting revenge or. That's perfectly fine. But if you put penis and vagina, mm-hmm. 
are you out of your fucking mind? That's insane. You'd almost think that, and, and who's that hurting? You'd almost think that you'd rather your kids watched sex on TV than murder, but that's not how we operate. Right, but my overall point is, if we can't agree on the standards, hiring your way out of this problem is not going to work. AI well, your way out of this I think you're looking for a solution out. that's uh, an A-all, B-all, lockdown, ironclad solution. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying that is if it reduced it to some certain point, there you're on social media. There is rampant. Now, right now, Facebook is starting to do a thing where you'll see a uh, um, a thing that says, you know, that the ice glaciers are actually getting bigger. And then right below that, there'll be a two fact check saying this is bogus, mm-hmm. false. It makes the person that's posting it look stupid. Because like you just they don't know it's there. They posted their you know. Is little, that the, I mean, who's it making look stupid? Because the people that are going to believe the first post aren't going to believe the fact check. No, but there's I think there's a certain segment of people that are in the middle. So, like I said before, the worst thing that Al Gore ever did for the environment was to go on that tour all by himself. He should have grabbed a notable Republican, and they should have said, "This is what we're presenting as a non as a bipartisan situation." Because the minute that a Democrat says the earth is, you know, heating up, immediate the immediate position that a Republican has to take is that it's not. Which drives me nuts. It's like, listen, this tribalism shit, like, just forget all that crap. Why, why I don't even understand why somebody wants to identify. When someone tells me I'm a Democrat, I'm like, the fuck I am. Right. Like, I, I know who I voted for, and I, I voted for George W. Bush at one time. Right. And he was... He was never going to be out Texas by anybody ever again. He, I mean, no one would ever confuse that guy for a Democrat, and I voted for him. So my mind was completely open to that. The the I can't even wrap my brain around Republicans nowadays because they have Trump has made them look so foolish. I'm sorry if you're if you're looking from the outside and you're like, okay. You used to be someone who had conservative ideology. You used to be someone who was worried about the deficit. You used to be someone that was, you know, family values. This guy, raw dogs, porn stars, runs the deficit up to a trillion dollars. Like, there's nothing about this fucking. He's a goddamn fucking mafia head in the White House right now, and nobody on that side gives a shit anymore. As, as somebody who's violently independent, um, I'll give you the two bright spots in Donald Trump being elected in 2016. I think I'm going to have the same, right? I'm going to agree with you. The first one is the decoupling of conservative and Republican. Those two things are not the same. They have nothing to do with each other any longer. They really never did, for the most part. Right. But they no longer can be identified with one another. Those two things, there is no conservative party in America right now. Right. Maybe that's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know, but that is the fact. And the other one is, as far as I'm concerned, we no longer have to pay attention to the evangelicals. No, they're the biggest hypocrites that ever were. They do not get a seat at the table any longer. Well, they do when it comes to voting, which is fine. You you get your vote. But to pander to them or to actually say that there's a connection between the Republicans and that situation is absolutely fucking hypocrisy. No, they're – again – You may not like Obama, but the guy was a fine family man running a a life that was – he was – Born to a single mother, living, you know, like he came for, he's the American dream. Hillary Clinton had every reason to, to break up her family. Every right. reason. Right. And didn't. Stayed. Right. And didn't. And maybe not for the best of reasons, but no. certainly right. stayed with her family, right? Sure. Right. I, 
Evangelicals get a vote. Of course they do. They are not a voting bloc. There is no such thing as an evangelical voting bloc. Right. Well, they... They're not evangelical. Yeah, no, no, right. Or at the very least, they don't vote evangelical. Right, the the title or the the label is bullshit. But they, percentage-wise, boy, they vote. I mean, it's something like almost 90% of it. There needs to be a different word for it. It's not evangelical Christian. No, 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 because you can't possibly... Well, okay, so... I've got people that I adore. I absolutely love these people, and they are Trump supporters. And I write them off as like that. There's a little old lady who they interviewed at uh, one of Trump's uh, Nuremberg rally things that he does. And she had no idea that in the Mueller report there's 10 instances of obstruction of justice Mm -hmm. in there. She was positive because she'd been told by Sean Hannity and all these people on that side – that it totally right that it did the opposite of what it did like it was and then you're like they put Mueller on the fucking tv and they said did it no it did not like he's flat out saying listen the reason that we didn't go after him is because he's the president if he was anybody else we would have gone after him but he's the president of the united states and our code says we can't prosecute this guy so it's a mind boggler that this person could live in this bubble, but they do. So that leads me back to if you're on Facebook and you have decided to block everybody who's got a different point of view, mm-hmm. you can turn Facebook into your own little cocoon of bullshit. I can't imagine how uninteresting. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I've tried to disengage from Facebook. Because I think it's a terrible platform as far as like, you know, socially how you would get along with people and everything else. But I always gravitated towards somebody with a different point of view than mine and not because I was going to prove them wrong or like, you know, any of that bullshit. It was more or less because, listen, I want to engage with somebody. So I want to, you know, I hear I come when you have a different point of view because I'm like, wait a minute, this is my point of view. Let's talk about it. The least favorite thing that I have on Facebook of all time is the fucking douchebags who someone posts something's like, you know, some dumb shit like, uh, you know, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And you got five people that are like, right on, brother, right on. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Did you have nothing else to do today? Like, that's what you do. Like, add something to the conversation. Like, like have an original thought. Right. Fuck off. I mean, oh, my God. You lame, brave piece of shit, you. Like, oh, they just disgust me. I, I don't know why I can't stand that, but I'm like, if you can like it, so that's your right on, brother, right there. Just do that. You don't need, like, or, or the best one is like when there's a debate going on, somebody just chimes in with, Bobby's right. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you think awful high. Let, let me ask. I know I'm, I know I'm the interviewee here. Let yeah, me ask you. Um, do you under, Do you think you understand? You Would you say you understood why people would vote for Donald Trump in 2016? Absolutely. And we had a conversation at my place and – uh, I was going to call you Nostradamus because you were wrong. You said I told you he'd get elected, and you said no fucking way yep, is he getting elected. And I, 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 you know, you're a very intelligent guy. I definitely have enjoyed over the years our conversations and stuff like that. So I kind of like I was pretty firm and like I'm pretty sure we're that stupid, and <laughs> we could do this. Um, yeah, see, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of stupid. I think people underestimated just how disliked Hillary Clinton. I think it's a it's a it's the magic of Hollywood that makes a guy that's as big of a buffoon 
and as poor of a businessman as this man is, they put a set on where he looked like he was at a, a table and he was firing people. And the, the persona won the day because no one wanted to look into. And then it's also the affirmation confirmation thing where they want to hear what they want to believe. And then when they do, they look no deeper because they already found what they believe. So they just walk away. So like they wanted him to be a great businessman. Listen, there's no businessman that's of any worth at all that fucking bankrupts a casino. Those fucking games are literally, says on each game, these are the odds of you going home with any money. And they're pretty fucking shitty. Like, if you look at a slot machine, it's by law, somewhere on that fucking slot machine, it says, for every dollar spent in this slot machine, this is what we pay out. You are one of my favorite things I ever discovered just by paying attention to what was around me is go to a grocery store, right? Remember, I don't think they have them anymore. They used to have coin stars. Yeah, yeah. Used to be able to take your loose yep. change, your jar of loose change, and dump it in. Dump it in and lose your ass. And they would take eight pennies out of every dollar that you dumped in there. Right. You know what the, the return rate on a slot machine is? Yeah, probably something like that. It's like 91%. Right, right, right. You're better off right. dumping your money into a coin star. You, you have a higher return on your money right. than right. pulling a slot machine. But people will sit in front of a slot machine the entire day mm-hmm. just dumping money off, dumping money off at the chance that they're going to be the lucky asshole that walk out of there with some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yes, back to your question. I do totally understand. And I was in that camp, not someone that would ever vote for Donald Trump, not because I'm smarter, just because when I saw, like, there's nothing about that douchebag that I like. There's nothing. You're the rich kid. You're like, I I have a, a, a disdain for fake tough guys. Fake tough guys fucking drive me nuts. Um, guys that are tough guys. You know, don't say fucking shit about it. The day that you come over and want to fucking bump chest with me, before you get your chest to me, I'm breaking that fucking nose off of yours. So, like, you know, all that front and bullshit and everything else. Like, I always say the guy that's got the dragons and the daggers and all that shit tattooed on him, you're the biggest pussy here. You just want no one to call you on that shit. Right. You know, you look like that because you don't want anyone to try you. Um, so... Donald Trump to me is he's all bluster. It's all nonsense. He, I mean, and there's a certain level of stupidity too. Cause like I'll get in a conversation with people about things like the Bible. And within 30 seconds, I realize this person has no knowledge of the Bible at all, but they're yep. talking shit. They're just blah, 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 blah. Cause they, they thought they heard this. They thought they heard that. And I'm like, um, that's not in the Bible. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, it's, it's not, that's like a, Chinese proverb you're fucking right. talking about. It's not in there. Don't get me wrong. It's perfect philosophy what you're saying, but Jesus didn't say it. So, and the, the reason that I know that was when I got injured, I spent four years like at going to a place with homework and studying scripture for four years. Like, and I didn't do it in a way that I was like, you know, I wanted to believe. I wanted to be like, oh, you know, there's an invisible man in the sky and he's going to look down at me and I'm reading his book and we're all going to be good. Um, but the more and more I was around it, the more and more, like, the people that are there were terrific. They're very nice um, and everything else. But I just couldn't suspend my belief in science and stuff to say the planet's 6,000 years old. To say that there's no physical evidence of the planet flooding all at one time, mm-hmm. but it, this is what happened. So I can't do that because – and I think that to get the philosophy out of that book, you don't need to do that. I think you can look at this thing and be like – even if you think it's written by the hand of God, you can be like, all right, God wrote the story of Noah 
So I would understand that civilization can't be completely evil and rotten from the inside. As long as you have an understanding that that book was written by people who are very, very flawed. Right. right and that right. that fact can be easily proven in about 30 seconds. Right. Right. We, uh, there's, it's a Sam Harris line that I love, right? We can improve the Bible right now. It's the easiest thing to do in the world. Make an 11th commandment. Don't own slaves. Sure, 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 sure. Well, it's, right. a better, it's a better book. Right, right. But you'd have to rewrite the back part because there's so many slaves in the book as right. far as that goes. And like, you know, as a people, that's where we've come from, right? Like it was perfectly acceptable to have slaves throughout the Bible. By the people who wrote that book. Yes. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. It was, I mean, right. It's perfectly acceptable to stone disobedient children, to do all kinds of crazy shit that was in there that you would never do today. Right, but I, I think, look, like my, I live this... <laughs> All the time because my wife is a Catholic, okay, and sure. she and I, she's well aware that she and I don't believe in the same things. But she's also the kind of Catholic who will, you know, have when I'm in discussions with people who don't share my belief, she'll go, "You should probably at least listen to him because he knows your Bible better than you do." Right, 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 right. right he well, actually cares about this, stuff right? And he's not he's not shooting from the hip here. So there, there's things in the Bible that are talking about. Uh, you know, lust and not like coveting your neighbor's wife and stuff like that. And if you pay attention to what's in there, the philosophy is good. I got a buddy of mine who like, uh, we were drinking one night and he's like, Hey man, I got a problem with porn. And I go, okay. I go, what's the problem? I go, you know, porn's wonderful. What's the problem? And he's like, well, you know, like I'll watch porn for like, not me, this guy for like eight hours. And I'm like, fuck man, aren't you chafed? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, uh, He's like, well, I'll just keep looking at it. And then, you know, like a couple hours later, I'll whack off again or whatever like that. And I'm like, fuck. Man, there's not enough time. To yes, I have too much shit to do. What, what the fuck are and, – and I go, so there's the philosophy of the Bible. You could take that and be like, listen, if I spend all day just lusting after tits and ass that are on Pornhub, then I'm not going to be productive and I'm not getting anything done. And essentially, it's not going to be good for my life. Mm -hmm. Now – I don't need there to be an invisible man in the sky and a day where I'm going to come to the pearly gates. I don't need any of that because that's today. I'm not going to get my work done. I'm not going to pay my fucking bills and then my life's going to be shit. Tomorrow when I wake up and I did nothing except for look at tits and ass all day, I'm going to be upset about my fucking day that I did yesterday. And that's going to make me miserable. So the, if you break the philosophy down in there, it's awesome. It's, it's perfect philosophy to live by. You just don't need to believe the fairy tale bullshit that's in there. I mean, what was the was it Jefferson or who wrote a uh, somebody wrote a Bible that they, Jefferson Bible. Yeah, yeah, the Jefferson Bible. They took out all the deity stuff, all yeah. the dogma, yeah. and it was great philosophy. Live by that philosophy. Try and be a better person for the most part, but, except for the slaves, right? Right. All the slaves and yeah. the fact that you don't get hell except for Jesus. Right, but hell's not really a thing in the Bible either. Jesus references it. Um, not no several times. Not as a place. Yes. No, he doesn't. He references uh, taking the weeds and separating them from the from the harvest, and which someone can say he never references hell itself. He says the as, farmer's as a, going as a quote. He does not. No, but his apostles certainly do. Right, but he's referencing I'm going to separate the weeds, which is the evil, mm -hmm. from the harvest, and the weeds will be burning. Mm -hmm. Sort of a thing. Now you can say that, but there is no gospel in the Bible that says there is a place that you're going to go to for eternity and burn it out. And there's a bifurcated tail guy and, a, you know, Satan standing under the pitchfork. That's all shit we made up. Well, there is revelation. Um, that Satan exists, yes, but not that he's 
got horns and you know all the no, other but the hell is a, a location, a place where souls go. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but no. I don't know. I, say, I I I tend to split the difference on this. For the for the most part, it's ac- the conversations like this are interesting because they're academic to me. Yeah. Um. But you know, I I I as usual as I normally do, I find the most frustrating position to take, and then I take that to piss everybody off around me. <laughs> there you go. Um. So you know, I my my belief tends towards there may be a creator, but that creator doesn't have anything to do with what we do day to day. Don't right. respond to prayers. No. Doesn't, no. Doesn't involve him well, or, or right, itself. Right. In our lives. It, it, it pisses literally everyone off. The atheists yeah, hate me. But I, you can't even how you can justify that. Like the people that drive me the biggest nuts are the, the sports dudes that are like, you know, oh my, thank you, Lord, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Really, there's some girl in a shed being raped every fucking day. She's chained to a fucking bed because some asshole when she was 11 years old, handy, you know, or uh, fucking kidnapped her and stuffed her in a fucking shed in his backyard. And every day she's praying and nothing fucking happens. But you, Tebow, fucking jerk off, fucking won a football game and God's pleased. You do Go better, fuck yourself. You do better than that. Um, you remember the who was right the day before the Bears game? Actually, the day after I got married uh, to my wife, uh, the that tornado ripped through Dixon. Where, where was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's such um, a little annoying. Yeah. So I remember watching the news. We're here with so and so lady whose house managed. Oh to yeah, survive, yeah, yeah. No, those are the best. Right. Right. Looking at the house. Thank God. Miss, can you explain to us what happened? Yes, the tornado came down my street. Look up that way. It's house, ruined house after ruined house after ruined house. It jumped over my house and landed on the house next to us. Ruined house, ruined house, ruined house. What do you have to, who, how can you explain that? Miss, what is your explanation for that? Well, I just thank God. What about those other fucking people? Right, 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 right. right. Or the, well, or, or the, the, other one, the other one I saw with that was, you know, they show up and the ladies stand there and She's like, yeah, everything's gone. It's all destroyed, everything else. And then out of the rubble comes running their dog. And she's like, thank God. No, are you fucking kidding me? Like, everything's gone. But Rover made it, so thank God. Like, you know, listen, if he's responsible for Rover being here, he's responsible for the whole fucking thing going down. So, yeah, religion has a certain element of, like, uh, selfishness in it, too. It's I think it's very easy if you're a super wealthy guy to believe that you're blessed to believe that, you know, I'm special. God gave me these things. I make this money. The, the evangelical, you know, evangelical preacher guy flying around in the private jet thinks this is a blessing. This is what, you know, God decided, you know, I know, I know, I know what he really thinks, but there's a whole arena of people he's talking to that believe that he's blessed. It, it, it certainly takes a certain amount of ego to, I am humble because I believe I am dirty enough out of my way of doing God's work. Right, right, right. Sure. And I, I don't, but I, I'm a, a agnostic guy. I'm not an atheist uh, because I don't believe that I know. So I'm just saying I don't fucking know. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it would be great and simple and terrific if there was just an invisible man in the sky. All I had to do is make him happy and then everything was going to be everything. I don't think it's real, but. It, you know, show me that it is, and I'll and I'll, and I'll buy it. That's fine. Um, would, you, would you want that invisible man to say, put a television screen on your wall that you have to check in and do your daily workout with every day, sort of like a prayer? And right, right. Maybe you have your. Maybe he allows you your five minutes of hate because that yeah. that sounds an awful lot like 1984 to me. Sure, and I could do my uh, flogging of my self flogging mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't want it. Right, I don't want any of that. I don't want 
big brother in my house looking at me either. So like, yeah, I don't understand why that's, I, there's to a certain point I do understand why it's, it's a thing that's appealing to people. I think a lot of people find Jesus when they're at their lowest point mm-hmm. and they need something to, mm-hmm. to lean on. And then the other one that I never want to have these conversations with is someone who just lost somebody because mm-hmm. they need comfort of some way. And they're to look at them and to be totally honest with them and say to them, there's nothing I can say to you. that's going to change the fact that you lost your brother, or you lost your son, you right. lost your father, that kind of thing. I, I have nothing I can say. That's the truth. You could, and what I try to say to people is, listen, man, I'm feeling for you. You're in my thoughts. I, you know, I, I, it really sucks. Is there I, anything I can do to help? Is there anything I can do physically to help you? And, but I don't offer thoughts and prayers. Like I don't, that's not my thing. Like someone's, they have post stuff all the time. Like I'm going to the hospital, send some prayers my way. Good luck. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, I, and I don't, to be clear, I don't think religious people are stupid. Oh no, no. I think there's some really intelligent I think people. That, I think religious people have a need that they are filling. Sure. Absolutely. And, and then also I think it's very easy to believe something that you've been told since you were four years old was right. real by people you trusted. Sure. So like it's and, and how many of these people it, how many of these people are treating their religion just like their politics, which is it's a it's sports now. Right. It's rooting right. for a team. For sure. Yeah, well that that to me that's a that's a monumental problem. That this is not games. These are people's lives that are being fucked with. Like you can watch your Detroit Lions or whatever the fuck team you you like to watch. That's fine. And root, root, root. I mean, you know, if you want to raz a uh, Packers fan or a Vikings fan, like all that, that's all great. Because no one's losing anything in that. You make you know, make it a little bit like your ego bruised or something like that. But that doesn't matter when you're talking about policies that pollute the fuck. Like when you say hey, you can put coal ash in the river. People live down river. Yeah, but but the people that are treating this like a sport don't see that. They really don't. And it's a very elitist way to look there's at no, things. There's no connection. It's it's you know, there's a reason why picking on a specific state or picking on a specific subsection of people works, right? Because you and I are two white guys, right? How much interaction do we have on the west side of the city of uh, west side of Chicago? Yeah, so, no. To none. Yeah, right. I drive through it every day because sure. I hate the highway. But other than that, I don't have any interaction there either. Now, somebody comes along and says, hey, the real problem is the inner cities. Why are we talking about gun violence? Why are we talking about mass shootings? The real problem is the inner cities. Okay, well, that's easy for me. I don't. Maybe the inner cities are horrible. I yeah, don't know. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> How would I know? You know? That's one of the things I dislike, too. Like, there's so much out there. So Facebook, for me, used to be this thing where, like, I, I'd get, like, a fucking nervous twitch every time I'd see something that was patently false. Like, that's patently false. The, the Chicago gun thing is patently false. Your chances of getting killed in very red states, very red neighborhoods are, are way higher a lot of times than they ever are of getting killed in Chicago. St. Louis is is in the top 10 of state or cities to get shot in. Mm-hmm. Chicago is not even in the top 10. You're not even in the top capita. per capita. Well, that's really all that matters. If I buy a lottery ticket... All that matters is my odds. It doesn't matter where I bought the fucking ticket or any of the other shit. The odds, so the per capita number is the people within 100,000 people that get fucking shot. I'm one of that 100,000. Those are my odds. It's that simple. But there's a narrative out there because I, I it's all politically driven, which as soon as someone hears it and they're a Republican, they go, yeah, 
motherfucking Democrats been running that guy. It happens the other way around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, I'm just picking on them. So, but, yeah. I mean, if people really want to entertain themselves and kind of open their eyes a little bit when it comes to violence in, in Chicago, they should really go see what the violent crime rate was in, around 99 and 2000. It's about one and a half times what it is now. Right, right, right. Or right. in the 70s when it was three times what it is now. Sure, yeah, per capita. Right, 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 right. Which meant all that matters, because I'm going to be one of those people down there, and that that's the situation. And there's all these other variables that matter too. I'm going to be one of those people that are in Chicago, but I'm not going to be on the fucking in the Cabrini Green. I'm not going to be right. in the spot that someone's going to. Be. I'm going to be on you know Michigan Avenue. Oh, or Cabrini Green now is awfully nice. It, it's definitely <laughs> being gentrified and turned into something different. But what I'm saying is. If you're somebody who's in the wrong part of town, you got a way better chance. You know, we went to uh, uh, Louisiana, went to uh, um, New Orleans, and when we first got there, got in a cab, and you know, the guy took us down Bourbon Street. And he's like, "Listen, you guys, you know, we we're like 22 years old, young kids. You're gonna have a great time. Just don't go more than a block off of Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. Don't go further back than that, because." He goes, you'll get mugged. There will be trouble once you get further out of there. So just stay right in this spot. And, I mean, there's all kinds of crime that goes on outside of that spot. There's a heavy police presence and a lot of lights on right in this spot. And I'm sure there's a pickpocket or two. And we had a couple of prostitutes proposition us and stuff like that. But nothing compared to what would go on a couple of blocks away. So my odds were decreased greatly for violence by listening to this cab driver say, stay in this spot. Um so, like, you know, if you're somebody who lives in the poorest part of town, you probably got a better shot at getting some trouble happening. Mm-hmm. But you probably also grew up with your head on a goddamn swivel. Right. That's just not going to happen because I'm looking for that right now. So, uh, but anyways, so let's get back to uh, the publishing situation. Yeah. We, we, we veered way off. But, uh, okay, so you decide to write this, uh, the, the the first book, and you're, it's it just came to you as far as, like, a creative story to write or is it – Always was a dream to write a book. I had a thing I wanted to write about. I had just started writing about tech policy and had always been fascinated with in in a way that I was interested in how absurd conspiracy theories were. So this book is geared around both technology and a conspiracy theory that turned out to be not so untrue. Right, right. I didn't realize it at the time. Like I said, I wrote this in 2007 or so. Um, and people that read it now will be like, oh, it's about kind of the Edward Snowden type thing. Right, right. Mixed right, in with a lot sure. of more fantastical conspiracy theory type sure. stuff. Um, See, now I have a love-hate thing with the conspiracy theory stuff. I, I, I'm fascinated by them. I love that people like delve. I, I, I don't like the cultish. The good ones, though. The good ones. The Pizzagate stuff, that's lame. Yeah, it is. You need the good ones. You, they, need, you, need, you need Barack Obama's a lizard person. Oh, Alex Jones was that uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton are actual demons. Like you can smell the sulfur when yeah, you buy them. Right. Those are awesome. Yeah. Uh, but so the the part I don't like about them is the cult aspect where someone's like selling conspiracy theories and they keep telling you stuff like I'm the only one with the truth. And then you'll believe almost anything that that person says now because you've been indoctrinated into this situation where like Alex Jones is the only one. He's he's part. He knows where the deep states at, and like all this other bullshit. He's, he's the only one that can really do that, though. I mean, if you the the, the cross pollination of conspiracy theory beliefs, um, you know, distributed by 
different people who all say they are the only ones with the truth. Mm-hmm. The cross sell or the cross tabs on, you know, if you believe in one, you believe in the other, and you believe in the other. Like nobody sure. actually believes these people are the sole repository for the truth. It's, right. Most people are looking for, at best, they are looking for explanation for something that they don't like. And they're looking for an explanation. Right, they've got an angle. Like right, right. So it's the it's the reverse Google search where you found the answer. Right, and a whole and, you're searching for it. And most of the people are probably more like me where they think it's entertaining as hell. I love it. I do. I, I read. I, I'm caught up in something like that, like on social media, where I'll be reading through the thing, and the guy's like positive that the Las Vegas shooter was a CIA operation, and you know all this other stuff. And it's like they're, they've got all these things that they say, and it's like. You know, if you had any kind of forensics idea at all, you'd be like, that's not that's not how that works. There's a there's a theory that Courtney Love was working for the CIA to break up several different rock groups and several different methods. Nice. It is a well researched theory that involves the names of her uh, <laughs> the names of her therapists and shit like that. It's insane, but it's it's the, the, it's the, look, it's creative writing. The ones I like the best are the ones that the people post on social media. They're like the news media is not tell you about this i'm like how the fuck did you find out about right. it like who the fuck are you right like you know some of you know something um the 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 best ones with those are like that uh the reason that i saw ones right after the las vegas shooter you're not going to see this because it's a bunch of white republicans that got killed i'm like dude you can't even turn the news on anywhere it's all over it what right. where how are you feeling somehow subjugated right. because you're a white republican like oh my god so, so the the original book was a combination of a fascination with that, a yeah. combi- an absolute fascination with the fact that uh, the there is a place on, or at least it was, I don't know if it's there any longer, but on Peterson Avenue in Chicago on the far north side, that is the Center for UFO Studies. That exists in Chicago. It's right there. Went and visited the place. Oh, that actually uh, exists. Reached out to him and said, hey. I'm planning on writing this book and I'm going to be talking about your organization an awful lot. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Can we have a conversation mm-hmm. so I don't get this stuff wrong so I can find out what you do? Went through the the history and origin of the organization, learned about that, learned about Dr. Heineck, who started it. I mean, that place exists. They do, they think they're doing, I mean, they are doing work, but right, people so don't realize what they're they are. glad to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Thrilled to get there. Right. And, you, and more importantly, you hear the name of a place like that, the Center for UFO Studies. No, oh, crackpots. Crackpots, right? Yeah. No. Most of their work is done disproving UFO sightings. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, they released that footage of that TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, some of it's really like, so the UFO one, they're really the, and UFO people got to keep in mind, like UFO immediately doesn't mean from space it's just an unidentified flying and what they're called something else now like uh af some sort of vehicle that's mm-hmm. like you know uh flying the, the, but it's just a thing that they don't understand what it is i mean there are other like conspiracy theories that would lead to this right the, the tic tac one there's one out there that says these are people from deep sea like this is a whole nother being that they actually have right, 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 right. but that inhabits our planet, but this thing, this thing, because it manipulates its environment, mm-hmm. can travel through water the same way it can travel through air and everything else. And then, you know, these things live with us here and we just don't see them. Um, and, and as always, the most likely explanation is that it is advanced technology that we are testing. Right. That right, is the right. most likely 
explanation, despite the fact that it is it is also the more likely explanation if that exists, we are not the only life right. in the universe. Right. If it exists at all, because there, there's another theory out there that it's a government program that's like a VR program that these guys didn't see what they thought they saw. Right. That they 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 somehow put this in a simulation and these guys didn't weren't where they thought they were and everything else. Which is part of what makes some of the conspiracy theory reading somewhat fun is not all of this stuff is not true. Right. It's also fun to like kind of expand your mind on stuff. So when you hear something you're like, yeah, that's all right. And then you then if you're if you're someone who doesn't isn't satisfied with that, you keep looking and then you can find like so back to the Bible thing. The if you look at somebody who thinks the planet is six thousand years old, and you say, "Okay, what about the fossil record?" The answer that they come up with all the time is everything that could swim is at the top of the fossil record, and everything that couldn't is at the bottom. Well, that sounds good if you're satisfied with that. You walk away going, "Yeah, that's right. All the animals and shit are at the top." How, that's not how the rocks work, and that's not how. Well, that's not how the fossil record is either, because blooming flowers are a thing that's relatively new to the planet. So all the blooming flowers, last I checked, can't swim, but they're at the top of the fossil record, and there's no blooming flowers at the bottom of the fossil record. Right. So, and the other one that they'll say to you is, we only have like one way of dating something, like carbon dating. We don't have what well, maybe maybe that's not right. Maybe after a certain time, it's totally wrong. That's also not true. If you look further into it, you have the nuclear uh, lifespan yep. of a rock, and like you have three different ways to cross reference. It's, it's also a misunderstanding of how science works. Correct, correct. But if you're if you want that to be that's the, the Google search. If you want that to be the answer, and you find that answer, look, I found it. I'm right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you just put your hands up and you go, I'm good. Th the same thing happens on social media constantly. People are like, you know, uh, I, you know, whatever the fuck goofy thing you want to look up that works or whatever like that. They'll find the answer they're looking for. Post the article from whatever fucking the website could be like completebullshit.com <laughs> and they're like, look, I found it. Oftentimes it's the onion. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think if more people had some basic understanding of what scientists do day to day and how science works and how you, more importantly, how you make a name for yourself in science, right? Mm -hmm. The best way to make for a name for yourself in science is disprove some shit that yes, everybody thought Yes, absolutely. You'll be famous in a heartbeat. So, yeah. so I mean, the only reason why climate science works has why, why that often cited uh, cited statistic? Ninety seven percent of scientists believe in climate in climate change. Sure. Well, what about the other three percent? Is it because they're right? No, it's because they're working hard as they can to debunk to it. Debunk it right, right. Which is good. That's, you know, it's, that's good. That's the scientific process. That that's how it should be. And it's like the people that uh, you know they they say it's a cabal with the Darwin stuff. That everyone just bullshit. The guy who could debunk Darwin will become the new Darwin. Correct. He will become the famous guy. That's exactly what he wants to do. I mean, some of these people have such a, a thing for that. The guy who invented penicillin didn't want any fucking money. He just wants to be the guy that invented penicillin. He just How did Stephen there. Hawking make his name? Stephen Hawking made his name by, by proving that Albert Einstein's theory was not complete. Right. right. By essentially... In a way, disproving fucking Albert Einstein. Right, 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 right. Which is a monumental thing to do, and you're you're immediately laughed at by the general, probably your peers. Right. right when you do that, but it's not. It's a dangerous thing for you to do too. You'd be ostracized. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, I agree. Right. So um, the the thing we keep veering off of the book. We do. We do. We do. I'm not here to sell books. Right. But okay. So but back to the book. So so you had the 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 thought, and then. 
was it really just that easy? You just were like, fuck it, I'm going to do it? And it was a challenge with myself. Um, I was, again, 26, 27, something like that, living in a two-bedroom apartment by myself in, uh, in Wicker Park and had a lot of nights because I was early on in my career where I wasn't working late and I had a lot. I could sit around and watch TV, I suppose, mm-hmm. but I've got this computer in front of me. I've got an idea. Can I write a book? I don't know. Books like 80, 90, 100,000 words. That's a lot of words. Can I do that? Yes. I don't know. Let's find out. Right. Can I write something that I would want to read? Can I write something that somebody, at least some number of other people would want to read? Right. Turns, out, you, turns out I could to some degree. When you wrote, I always find any time that I write something, if I write something that uh, you know needs to be said in, in, in 30 seconds or a minute, like I'm way off. Like it's either I've written way too much and it doesn't need to be like uh, part of uh, Heiner's English would be like, all right, you don't need this. You yep. don't need this. You don't need this. Um, and then – the other part is you didn't write enough. Like you were trying to fill a minute and you're like, Oh wow, 20 seconds. I'm, all this was 20 seconds. Holy yeah. shit. So when you were writing a book, um, did you have enough or did you have to go back and add in like, no, I uh, wrote, overwrote. I probably went from 130,000 words down to hundred. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, there's, I forget who said it. There's a great quote about how to, how to write literature, which is writing literature is easy. You just have to figure out all the, all the words you want to take out. Yeah. Right. And what's left is literature. Right. Now, I, like, enjoy well, – I had a guy on the, the, the CDs that I got here for a band that, that was uh, – that was, the guy was on. And, like, his band's, like, got, like, horns and keyboards and, you know, like, guitar. And at one point, he's playing a mandolin on the thing. Like, and I enjoy that. Like, there's a lot going on there. And then I also enjoy, like, Tarantino movies where there's a lot going on mm-hmm. and everything's tying together. Um stories that are like sometimes there's not enough going on and I'm like get boring fast, but it's, it's cool to see, you know, stuff tied in. But I wonder sometimes how somebody like, like a Tarantino movie with all the backstories and everything else, if you wrote some of those in a book, it would take like five books Mm -hmm. to get Pulp Fiction out because you'd have to have the backstory on every single person. Whereas some like visually in a movie, you get the backstory from the way the guy looks, you know, the guy's carrying a gun on a sidle. You don't need to know all this shit. Uh, you know, the butch guy's a boxer. We got that. He's in a boxing ring. Um, so, I mean, your character development, mm-hmm. how how was that? Like, I mean, did you have to, like, I don't know, did you put, like, cards out everywhere? Be like, Literally. Oh, yeah. Literally, okay. next cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's a great book on character creation. So, a series of how to write literature books with different, well-published authors. Um, and the character creation one is written by Orson Scott Card, who wrote Ender's Game, um, a whole series of books on Ender's Game. There was a movie Harrison Ford starred in. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. That was his novel. It's a great series of books. He's it a was, brilliant writer. It was interesting too. Like if you looked at that Ender's Game, the theory of what was going on there, like the whole overall story of training these kids mm-hmm. to and fight. them into thinking they were training when they were actually fighting. Fighting, more. right, right. Um, so wonderful book, wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful series on character creation. Um, but one of the things you'll hear in literature all the time and what, what makes lit- writing literature much harder than writing a script for a screenplay for something that's on TV is in writing, you show, you don't tell, right? I don't, my character, I don't say, um, Anton Donovan, a character in my set, the second, you don't character. narrate it. Right. right. You, right. I don't say Anton Donovan was a good man. Right. Right. I write about him walking down the street and helping somebody who, who had fallen down off the, off the road. Right. Sure. Sure. Those types of things. It, it's very, very difficult, especially if you have a background in nonfiction writing like I do. Like 
the stuff I write on tech policy, I'm fucking telling you what I, what I think. Sure, sure. And I'm not showing you. I am telling you. I'm right. telling you the facts, and this is what it is. Literature is completely different. You have to show you don't tell. It's not just for character development. It's for literally anything in the book. You do not say what happens. You show what happens. Right, right, right. right. You're writing a screenplay. You just write down, well, this is what happens, and then it's up to the yeah, filmmaker to go. Right. Storyboard, right? right? Yeah, everything else. Sure. Um, I think it's harder probably to do character development and make characters that people care about in film for that reason. Like you don't have exposés on their background. Sure. Story, right? Did you ever see uh, Stranger Than Fiction with uh, Will Ferrell? No. Oh, you should check that. That's like, it's like one of those odd ones that are not normal where there's a narrator kind of narrating mundane. Okay. You know, and it's like, you know, and whatever the guy's character is like, brushes his teeth 60 times up and 60 times down. Like, and it just, and all of a sudden, the Will Ferrell character starts to hear the narrator that's narrating and then finds out through the narrator at one point that his eminent doom, wait a minute, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen in the book. So then he seeks out the author of the book that is his life mm-hmm. and finds out. And then she's totally fucking amazed because it's just a character she made up, but there he is standing yep. in front of her um, sort of thing. So no, that, that, that kind of, you know, speaks to what you're saying. No, you don't narrate. Life's not narrated that way. Yep. I had a lot of help in learning how to do character creation and learning learning how to do narrative and, and basically how to play with the characters that you've created just growing up kind of geeky and playing tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons and yep, shit like that. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, if you're running a game like that, you learn this is... I've got characters. I've got people I'm playing with. Yep. I, I quite honestly didn't play a lot when I was younger or barely at all, if at all, but watched a lot of uh, a lot of people play, and especially now it's D&D's got a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, a lot of people, you just go out there and just watch other people play and watch what they do with these characters. You learn, I mean, part of that game is fucking with the characters. That's, sure, sure. It, that's all writing is. Right, but no, I never thought about it that way, because I played Dungeons & Dragons as a kid, mm-hmm. and you had all the sheets for like, oh, this is my dwarf, and yep. this is my you know, uh, elf and my, you know, troll and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. you had different weapons and different hardnesses of armor and all that. Right. Shit. But the guy, so but the guy who's running the game is just screwing with you. Yes, right. That's his job. Sure, his sure, job sure. is to tell a story and put you in situations. All you're doing is an, as when you're writing narrative, right? Yeah, you're creating yeah. characters and then you mess with them. Sure, That's fun. Sure. No, it's not. So, okay. So, right. Which, that's why I would encourage anybody who ever, Life is short. You, you don't even know when it's going to be over. So, like, tomorrow could be it. it. You know, I think it's impressive that you, whether you sold a million copies of the book or, or not, that you did it. That you, not. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I probably have a hard time getting here sitting with me if you sold a million copies of it. But, uh, but anyways, so I would encourage people to, to do that kind of thing. Like, at the very least, this podcast is something that, the day that I'm dead, my sons, when they're mm-hmm. 40 years old, to be like, oh, let's pull up a episode, you know, 15 or whatever of dad and, you know, yep. they can look at that kind of thing. Uh, they obviously know what was in my mind about a topic because I speak totally freely. The reason I like the podcast for me, I was saying before this is there is nothing. There's no advertiser. There's no there's no money that says I have to do whatever. Right. I can just tell you what I think, and that's it. And I'm nobody. I'm just some fucking schmuck on a goddamn microphone. But it allows me to do that, and uh, I enjoy it. For me, it's fun. The conversations are a good time. The book thing had to be like it's like your own little Frankenstein monster, right? right. You're making, yeah, you're making your own thing, and here it is, and now it lives, and everything else. And I mean, 
there had to be, can I ask, like, how many copies of the first book did you sell? Uh, I mean, or that were downloaded, I guess, too. Yeah, between downloads and sales, I mean, probably in low triple digits at best. Yeah. Right, um, right. I didn't. I stopped tracking it after a while because it, it wasn't bringing in any money that's worth talking about. Sure, and that sure. wasn't the point to begin with. Right. Um, but, you know, that's a that's a that's wherever you set the bar for success. But before my injury, the and, you know, we're Geigners. Uh, we have, there's certain traits that go on, right? Like all the Geigner men get together and compare dick size and they compare, mm-hmm. you know, on the small cars, size. Right, right. The car sizes and the, you know, their houses and all yeah, the jobs. Mostly, mostly when it comes to size, it's mostly noses and ears. Right, right. But so very competitive as far as that goes. And then um, everybody argues about politics too. The, the whole family, as far yeah. as I know, argues about politics. Uh, so, but, some more affected than others. Right, right, right. So before the injury, my I was kind of wrapped up in that, right? Like I was working 80 some odd hours a week. I was working from seven in the morning to 530 at night, six days a week in the field. And then I was running sales and contracts and everything else in the evening. I, I pretty much worked seven days a week when it was summertime. Like you couldn't find me. Um, I don't know what kind of, I would have written off some excuse as to I was putting, a, even if I was making, you know, $300,000 a year, I would have been like putting a roof over my good judge. Bullshit. Once you're making over 80 grand a year, you're not putting a roof over its head anymore. Right. You're just doing vanity bullshit for yourself. So, uh, but I would have excused it that way. When I broke my neck, I was afforded, as you know, that's a weird word to say, but a lot of time mm-hmm. to look at the ceiling because daytime TV sucks. <laughs> so looking at the ceiling and thinking about, you know, first you think about shit like, how, where did I go wrong? What did I do? I was just busting my ass trying to get shit done and everything else. And here I am laid up. Mm-hmm. But you come away with, um, and it took years of me finding success with, um, you know, teaching my, my sons would be like a, a, a anything that they did. They carpentry work. I teach them a wrestling move and then they go boom and they use it. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. that's hugely gratifying for me and I'm always going to have that. That's a huge thing. Any money I make can be taken away. So like, I don't, you start to redefine what success is. So the book writing thing, you can have a definition of success as I sold a million copies of this book. You could also have a success as, Hey man, can you say you wrote a book? That's a, and that was, that was honestly, God, it was a, it was a challenge with myself because I didn't know whether I could do it or whether right. I would stick with it. Right. Um, and I, I enjoy being able to walk around. I, I don't have to talk about book sales. I enjoy being able to walk around and go, I've written three fucking books, man. Right, right, right. No, no, that's exactly it. And someday when you're 80 years old and you're in your library and you've got, you know, seven or eight books that you wrote over that time, or, or you know, if it's 18 books, people will be like, yeah, there's my friend Tim. He writes these books. Right, and, and again, it's, you know, I, I'm, I am published elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mostly in a short story format in anthologies and things like that. So right. Uh, a book that just came out called Working Futures that I am in. Um, I, I write every day of the week on techdirt.com. Sure. I write sure. about it's nonfiction, but I, writing is, I look, I'm a paid writer. Yeah, right. right I'm not right. paid in, an insane amount of money. No, right. right but, right. you know, half of my mortgage is paid by writing. Oh, and, then I have an, and then I have an eight to five. Right. <laughs> well, so like I, I know I know a woman who she's a physical therapist, and she decided to work at a prestigious hospital in the city instead of doing home health care. 
home health care would be like if you sprained your ankle and they sent the guy to your house to give you PT training at your house, that's what they would do. Mm. If you broke your leg and they were trying to get you back, you had a hip replacement. They're helping you out at home. What's crazy is this person that works at the prestigious hospital in the city makes about two-thirds of what the person that that does home health care, which is mundane. You're never going to be anybody except for – but that person's view of success is I made $140,000 while you made $90,000 at this prestigious hospital. The woman that I'm talking about, she travels the country giving speeches to different hospitals. Oh. So people look up to her. She takes – a certain amount of, you know, uh, self-gratification in the fact that she is a somebody in that field. So I don't know. I I told my kids, my boys, when they were younger, uh, the one boy said something about, uh, like, he was like, oh, I'm going to finance. I heard, you know, you could make millions of dollars in finance. Mm -hmm. Is either that dad or computers? Because I heard you make millions of dollars. And I'm like, all right, man, I, go, I don't want to stifle you. You do whatever you got to do. And, you know, if that's what really makes you happy, that's fine. But I go, the definition for me of success is the day the shit hits the fan at your work, they say, go get Peyton. He can fucking solve this problem. Right. That, then you're successful. I don't give a shit if it's fucking the toilet's clogged, dude. If you're the only guy at your work that can unclog that fucking toilet, you're the king of those people. Right. Like, you know, so like, I'm not worried about that with my boys. I'm not worried about them making money. I believe that they'll make money. I really am more concerned with, are you going to feel good about what you do? You're going to feel good about yourself with what you do. Um, one of the Koch brothers just died. Mm-hmm. And the minute that he died, he was worth exactly the same amount as a skid row bum that died. You got nothing. You're gone. You're, you didn't take anything with you. So, um, I, and if you have any conscience at all, and you're a guy that owned a chemical company, the skid row bums got more in the afterlife. If there's an afterlife, then that guy's got, because you're probably responsible for millions of people's death and sorrow and birth defects and every other thing that went on. The skid row bum just didn't accomplish anything in life, mm-hmm. you know, financially. Um, you know, I always thought, you know, what a cool thing as far as writing the book goes. Um, so then you wrote two more books. Mm-hmm. Are they related to the first not, one? Not, not at all. Not at all. Okay. No. So the second one, um, out of a love for a certain kind of uh, video game and wanted to write a novel about it, about not about any game in particular, but just post-apocalyptic type stuff. And um, the the so every one of my books, there's kind of a challenge with myself. This one was uh, I wanted to create a book that included something like a magical element, but have a scientific explanation for it. And in the case of this, it What's was the saying. There's a saying that like something like. Before science was science, it was magic mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Yeah, right. So in this case, it was, okay, can I create a mythology around a post-apocalyptic Chicago where there's radiation everywhere and it's a danger? Except See, there's no, some I'm going to read that. I love post-apocalyptic. Except there's some people who can genetic, who are genetically disposed to being able to manipulate that radiation to do things that look like magic. Sure. Okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, I always like the different takes on what a world would be like post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. you know, like, so like I got into an argument with a, a woman that's a, a English teacher and uh, she knows who she is if she listens, but uh, about um, the McCarthy's uh, The Road. Okay. So the, the Viggo Mortensen movie mm-hmm. was with the, the Road and 
I read all the pretty horses and uh, the crossing by that same author liked them. I read the road fucking hated it. Like it's fucking shit. This is fucking crap. And the reason I hated it was it, it flew in the face of every bit of parenting philosophy that I have. And my parenting philosophy is, as my daughter started to walk, I pushed her back down. The ex-wife was like, what the fuck? I'm like, she's got to get up now. She'd get up. So then she got up and I put something in front of her and she had to get around that. And I, and the ex-wife was like, you're mean. And I'm like, I'm not mean. This is love. This is exactly what I'm going to do the rest of this kid's life is put obstacles in front of this kid. I'm going to make it really fucking tough for this kid. And then when this kid gets to be an adult and has to deal with some asshole at work, it's like fucking nothing. Cause I got, I got past the old man when I could barely fucking walk. Right. And you know, so that's my parenting philosophy. And the road was like, this fucking guy was just like this fucking kid. That was the most colossal pussy in the world. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to say let him die, but do something to your, it was obvious throughout the entire book. The the dad was dying. There was something going, if I'm dying, the last thing I want to do is coddle this fucking kid. Right. He's going to have to make it on his own when right. I'm gone. Right. The fuck's he going to do then? And um, I like, I would, and it's so like lamer, like uh, literature wise, but I would say the more realistic apocalyptic kid is the kid from road warrior where yep. he's got the boomerang and he's like, yeah. he's running around and just fucking eating shit and fucking, right. you know, like that is what would be born out of this world, the post-apocalyptic world would be that this kid's an animal because that's what survives. And there'd be organization, right? There would be people who would take advantage of the situation or at least try to, you know, reorganize and right. be corrupt and all these other things. And all of that is absolutely in the book. I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because you and I are different in, a lot of ways just in terms of the actual like output of our philosophies which tend to be the same yeah right. um and my version of what you were just saying uh with your daughter walking is um both of my kids are you know i have a four-year-old and a three-year-old yeah and the three-year-old it's he's a little bit less obviously i mean the difference the delta between a three-year-old and a oh, four-year-old is huge right? Sure, right but my four-year-old i mean every last person that talks with this kid goes i don't know how he knows the words that he says like how does he how does he talk like this? Because we don't talk to him like he's a fucking child. Well, right, because I talk to him the same way I talk to my wife. Right, right, right. 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 Well, why does same, he why does he, why does he know what the word simpatico means? Because I fucking said it. That's yes, why. Right. And then he went, well, what's that? Yeah, right. You explained it right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean and I don't know if it's a different in generation, but like, you know, my dad was a guy that wrote every excuse for like he was working six, seven days a week. We never saw the guy, and when you did, he just stayed out of his way because he's a pain in the ass <laughs> um where i don't have that relationship with my sons my sons and i have you know deep conversations about all kinds of you know space and gravity and light speed like they're just constant conversations about stuff like that and then we have conversations about like life in general and stuff i'm like hey man you know we had a conversation one time about uh wrestling and uh, a lot of conversations about wrestling but the conversation was that one of their friends was like, oh, I don't give a shit about that. It's lame and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, so you got to break down what he said there. And I go, the reason he said that was he's not very good at it. And if he acts like he's giving 100% effort and he falls on his face, that's more embarrassing than if he was like, ah, whatever the fuck, I don't yeah. care, sort of thing. And I go, but look at the outcomes. Is he going to get his hand raised as many times as you? And he goes, no. And I go, so you're better off – 
to actually go for something. Put everything you got into it. Don't give a shit if someone's looking. I'm doing it. Because in the end, you're going to win more. And that's what really matters to you, right? And I go, would it be better to win more or have this like punk attitude? And they're like, well, yeah, we win more. And I go, then fuck all that. Like, don't care what other people think about if you lost. Especially because, you know what? If if you're not even stepping out on the fucking mat, then what do you got to say about me losing a match? Right. You know what I mean? So, um, so then when they, you know, kind of wrap their brain around that, they're like, yeah, fuck that. So that guy that, you know, had that attitude, I'm like, and I go, if you're, if that's your friend, you should explain it to him just the way I explain it to you. Explain it to him. Be like, Hey man, you know, I got this short period of time to do these kind of things, put everything you got into it because you get something out of it in the end. Right. Um, so, you know, we have these conversations and, and it's, it's, my sons were a year and a half old when they got paralyzed. I've said this before. I mean, I'll repeat something over time, but the very best time in my life has been a guy being a quadruple. Like it seems strange to say that. And I had a fine life before that and everything else, but the very best time in my life has been this time with my kids that like, you know, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, Now, do I believe some stupid cliche? And please don't say it anymore. Everything happens for a reason. No, shit's fucking random. Fucking <laughs> the bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Fucking shit just happens. It's, you know, that's an easy cliche thing to say to someone when you're trying to console someone, but it's a bullshit fucking thing when someone actually has something that's I don't real. Know, I don't know how it's consoling. I think it's one of How much time did you spend trying to figure out the reason? Oh, I think everyone does that. Like, oh, why? Well, I had that funny story about that too. We're up sitting in the hospital bed, and I got four buddies around me, and one of my buddies goes, man, why does this happen to you? You're a good guy. And I'm like, yeah. I got a halo on my head. I just lost 40 pounds of muscle. I'm fucking a mess. And uh, can't dress myself. Can't do shit. And uh, I got, just had the trach thing taken out everything mm-hmm. else. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, says this. And I'm like, yeah. My other buddy, who's a little closer to me, he goes, good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. And he goes, Let's start adding up the bar fights. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then he's like, well, let's talk about the more fucking you know, like dozen or so memorable ones where you like pretended you were drunk or you did some fucking fucked up thing or you, like, you know, did something, you know, that's just stupid and you fucking ended up, you know, fighting the guy or whatever like that. Uh, by the time he got to like, you know, some obscene fucking number, which I won't mention, uh, you know, I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, and so that kind of curtailed the why did this happen to me? Like, I, I'm like, I'm all right, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. It happened to me, and now I got to figure out how the fuck to get from where I'm at to the next fucking spot, and that's it. And boy, I've had my fair share of embarrassing moments. I was busting ass across coaching across wrestling mats, and I didn't realize that there was a gap in between the two mats, full somersault in the wheelchair. Nice. Oh, yeah, I rolled right through it. Luckily, you know, a bunch of wrestling coaches picked me up, put me right back in the chair, and I was on my way, but that's embarrassing. Um, I came out of practice one night, busting down the sidewalk, hit the curb, cut out, flew out of the chair, nice. you know, hit, hit the ground with my head. Um, so I've definitely tested the limits of what I can do, but I don't know when we were, when I was younger and I was skiing or snowboarding, I felt like if I wasn't falling down, I wasn't pushing the envelope. Okay. So whatever. Uh, but no, so, you know, the, the book thing. So you, you, you published the three books, you got more in the works. Are we uh, going to? I uh, haven't written anything in a novel format since, I guess, 2014. Um, I have I, I have ideas. I have things that, you know, if, if you're of the sort where you have these ideas and then your immediate thought, especially once you've written a book, the first one, every time you have one of these ideas, you start 
thinking, oh shit, that's a book. Yeah, no, and inspiration. I, awesome. I had one on the way over here. By the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inspiration's so. awesome. No, I. So, um, just the other day, I was. So, like, I'm always looking for subscribers. Like, that's pretty much, you know, what I'm hoping that someone will do. And people don't seem to understand. Like, I had people in the beginning that were like, man, what's it, what does it cost me to subscribe? It's, it's, there's no money. And it's not like if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you're going to get um, emails or not, nothing happens. All that happens is the next time you come on there, you'll get notified that there's a new episode. You don't get notified right. evasively. It's just a little red dot in the bottom corner, and then they'll be there. So, um, but like, I'm always trying to get subscribers to subscribe to the channel. Um, I gained like 46 subscribers in a month and then it kind of plateaued a little bit because I didn't put out a podcast in a, in a couple, like a week or so. And I was like, I don't know, you know, how the hell am I going to organically get more subscribers? And I started to kind of get bummed out about it and stuff. And I decided I'll turn on like an old Joe Rogan and I'm like, oh my God the quality of what's going on, like episode 50 for Joe Rogan was like insane. And the content was shit. He was like, this is pot, totally fucking legal. And we're, you know what I mean? Like that was like what the whole fucking podcast was about. Um, so then I was inspired. I'm like, all right, all right, I can, you know, that, that's not a problem. Like if that's what that looked like in 2013, yeah. here I am, you know, it's 2019, you know, I can, I can just keep trucking along and do, and I was inspired to be like, Fuck it, man. I'm in this for the for the haul. I'll just, you know, go three, four years and see where I end up with with this thing. Um, so to get inspiration and then for a podcast, because my shit's all over the place. Like I'm I got a witch on one time, I got a you know, transgender person on like it just it's everything that I could, you know, pull from everywhere. I'll like see something. I'm like, oh shit, I got to talk to that lady yeah. because, you or know. Somebody like that. Right? Yeah, somebody like that. Right. So like uh, besides looking for subscribers, I'm always looking for, and I've been starting to mention it to people on the podcast. If you know anyone that you think should be on a podcast, by all means, like, you know, tell me who they are now on the podcast. I don't care. Um, the makeup artist lady, uh, Lizette, that came out, she gave me three people that like, and mm-hmm. she's like, you got to get these people on here. These, these, they're, they're awesome. And that was terrific because I'm like, yes, that is cool. Like the one guy like uh, modifies cars, like, you know, uh, uh, just uh, like concept builds and stuff like that, yeah. like crazy shit. And then another one's like a famous hairstylist. And, and uh, the other one's an opera singer. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something that would be totally cool to me. So like uh, the other day I'm in the shower and I'm like, you know what I got to get? I got to get a dog trainer. Mm-hmm everybody's got fucking dogs and they have a couple tips on dog training would be awesome. Like, I, you know, so I'm looking for a dog trainer now. Uh, not that I need a trainer for my dog, but I'm, you know, like, right. so, you know, when inspiration comes on, what was the one you had on the way here? I don't know if you don't want to copy. No, somebody else can go write it as far as I'm saying. I, I, this happens to me all the time. No, I was thinking, um, there's what you mentioned, a writer that you were a fan of when you were younger. My favorite was always Michael Craig. Christ, in, okay, love, sure. in love with, you know, started with Jurassic Park like everybody else. Yep. Ended up reading Sphere, ended up reading Disclosure, ended up reading Rising Sun, and ended mm-hmm. up reading Timeline, which right. was one of his more recent ones where he kind of tries to use quantum physics to explain how time travel might work. So I'm thinking about that because I recently picked it up and I'm rereading it just because I love the novel so much. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden it kind of hits me. What if somebody wanted to use time travel to go back and save Jesus? And what would the Vatican do about it? Yeah. And what, what would, would what would the religious you can't save Jesus? 
he no. has to die. He has to die, right? right. No, for sure. So that could be either there's a sort of a race competition, yeah. competing interest over, ironically enough, people who may not be believers trying to save a person, and people who are believers trying to make sure that he dies. Right, right. That kind of irony is right. right twist right? there, right, right? It's weird. Well, and time travel's been done. I think every single time there's a time travel movie from, you know, the mundane like Back to the Future movies and stuff like that. It's so weird to make your brain spin on if he went back here, how would that change? And then he could have come back like the Terminator movie. If he came back and he couldn't right. like. And, and actually timeline, or I don't know if you've read the book. Uh, no. How Crichton gets around that is using quantum physics and using the many universes theory is brilliant. Yeah, right. right. It's not your timeline. You're not going back to your timeline. You're, you're going back you're, to another time. You're transitioning to a universe nearly the same as yours. If, well, that's what's crazy, right? If you're trying to stop, like, you know, the kill baby Hitler mm-hmm. thing, or you're trying to stop suffering, right? You're trying to stop 6.2 million Jews from being killed. So you go back in time and you kill Hitler, but you do it in another, in another dimension, what's the use? Well, if the dimension is similar enough to yours, then it still translates over, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, like that's, that's, the, well, that, that's the theory. That's how quantum physics works. Okay, all right. Because, uh, I mean, all the, the parallel universes, like, I heard one that was on a podcast, and the guy was like, there are literally billions of mm-hmm. you yep. doing almost what you're doing, but, like, somehow, like, right next to it, like, slice, that, slice, slice. That is the theory, um, all, all built off the fact that electrons sometimes like to disappear when they're under observation, and right. only when they're under observation. Right, so they're saying that slips into the next one. They're, did I you see Interstellar? Uh, I did not see no, I don't think I did. The Matthew McConaughey one? No. Oh, mostly man. because I hate yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, oh, wow. Get past that because Interstellar is, it takes all, like we watched that when in the gym, we're lifting weights. It takes all of that, like the dimensions mm-hmm. thing, where like a guy's like right there, like and he can see the other, like there's a spot where he finds in a black hole where he can see the other dimension. And they do the other thing too, where like the Einstein, the theory of relativity and the gravity thing, when they go into these other uh, spots in the black hole, it changes time. That's right. Right. So like, which by the way was how Crichton explained time travel in sphere. Sure, sure. So, I mean, like the interstellar movie is it's, it's definitely, and nowadays I almost feel bad for these. Like, so I think the smartphone's awesome. I love having something that I can Google something on the spot right now. I've got a supercomputer in my fucking pocket mm-hmm. all the time, which when I was a little kid, you know, you didn't have any of that. I mean, I remember spending hours writing code to make a little figure do this yep. in the middle of the fucking screen. It was stupid. But now I've got the supercomputer in my pocket. And I think it's awesome. But I also think it's detrimental because people get addicted to it. and They spend entire days just staring at this screen. And for no good purpose, looking at social media, nothing you're learning, getting nothing out of it, um, where there's just so much information that you could have. The the problem with it is, is like my sons, they're 18 years old. They can't watch a movie like you. They don't. Their attention span is not good enough. Yeah. I mean, you almost have to be like, all right, get a basket and put the phones in the basket Mm -hmm. and then have you go watch them. Now, if you take them to the theater. I watched an Avengers movie because it's constant action. But yeah, like a movie like Interstellar, you would have to, because you can't figure it out to what's going on. Like if you have like a mind, you know, for astrophysicists and the, you know, the different dimensions and theories of gravity and everything else, you could probably put more of it together. But if you're watching this and you're like, what the fuck? 
Right. Why does that book keep wiggling and like everything's what the fuck until the very end where you like get it figured out where you see that this guy's in another dimension and everything else. So it's pretty cool. But like, I, I think that, I don't know, we have the people have the attention span of a fucking goldfish anymore as far as that goes, because everything is in front of them so fast. I mean, think of the way that you look at social media and if you're scrolling through it, it's birthday wedding like everything Mm -hmm. you're you're taking in this information like this and it's just like next thing next thing next thing next thing tips next thing next thing you know i mean like it's 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 the way your brain works when you're on that shit it's it's fucked up and i mean i find myself uh definitely addicted to my phone yeah i heard someone say that it was the new uh check in the refrigerator when I was a little kid, you know, you'd be home on the weekend or nothing to do. You'd go to the refrigerator, nothing in there, shut it. Half hour later, you'd come back. Right. Nothing fucking right. changed, right. but you looked in there again. Because um, I find myself uh, doing something, and then in the middle of doing something, I'm like, oh, wait, turn my phone. Don't, like, I, I get pissed off. Uh, I look, I have those apps now that, like, check my time on everything. Yeah. And I've tried to reduce my time. I'm probably down to, like, 20 minutes a day on Facebook. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is about or what this says about me. I, I spend almost no time on Facebook whatsoever okay. other than to promote out things that we've written on TechDirt. I mean, I use it as a, a tool to get attention on certain things sure. that I want to get attention on. Um, not interested in finding the people on there. No. I use Twitter almost exclusively just for news. I'll sure. probably check it twice in a day and just say, anything blow up? Nope. Great. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm no fan of Donald Trump, but I follow him on Twitter. Hell yeah! I mean, you know, I, I get the tweets and like, dude's entertaining. I mean, come on, Don't he I- is the absolute best thing that's ever happened to politics. I'll tell you what, there there are people that would be upset that I'm raving about him in certain aspects. He is a fucking master at starting a fucking fire, putting the fire out, and then saying, "I just put the fire out." Right. This fucking sure. Syria thing. Yeah. Holy shit! Uh, to me, I'm almost as amazed with the dopes. Like, so then I'll check on Facebook and scroll real through, and there's three or four people that I know are going to be posting. Uh, Pence got a ceasefire. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> he first off didn't get a ceasefire and said he did, which th- that almost to me should be like, if you're a the president or the vice president, you almost should not be able to lie like that because he didn't get a ceasefire. He had a five day pause. Right. For these people to get out. Well, oh, and, and, and in the same press conference, and almost in the same breath, the defense minister of Syria feels that way. Now, he's fine. Right, right. He flat out said it's not. But the problem with, and I think and I think it's masterful the way they do this, they know a certain 32% of the population wants to hear what he has to say, wants him to be a hero. They hear that. They don't give a shit what anyone else says after that, and that's it. Well, and to your point about the phone, nobody's got the attention span to remember what happened three three weeks ago no, because of right, all right. the, the constant churn, right? we got to keep coming back to Donald Trump. And my, my new favorite thing is just track the timeline on this whistleblower thing. Just go back. It's only been four weeks. I know. It just seems like back, months. Go back, it seems go, like months. Go back four weeks ago and see what they said about it, right? right? First it was, this is a nothing. He had secondhand information. His information was wrong. Look, here's the transcript. Oh my God, the transcript. Then, then, then it was. So I'm on the fence. Is this guy a fucking genius or a buffoon? And I, I can't seem to. Every time he does something that seems really fucking smart, I'm like, oh, you're a fucking genius. And then he did the buffoon thing. He's like, look, and it says right here, 
But you got to do me a favor, though. Right. Are you out of your fucking mind? Well, Did you then, read that before you put it out there? And then, so that was three weeks ago, right? Yeah. And then at that time it was, yeah, but there's no quid pro quo. I mean, look at the guy. The guy. Oh, my God. No quid pro Prid pro quo, like a thousand times. No prid quo, pro quo. And then this past week. Yeah, fucking Mulvaney comes down there and goes, We so do that what? shit all the time. Yes. Not only was there a quid pro quo. There's more. We do this bribery shit all the time. Yep. There I, is a wait team. a minute. You just admitted to the crime and you admitted to doing it all the time. Right. But, but look, at the, look at the walk he's taking First, you give them. This is a nothing. It nothing seems there. to me that you. It seems to me that that's a that's a, a terrible way to do things because on that walk, you still have to lose some people along the way. If you had forty percent going, there had to be one percent here that peeled off, another percent off. That holy shit, he's actually said that they do that. There, there has to be people that peel off. I understand that thirty-two percent. Nixon, the tapes were there. He fucking did what he did. He resigned. When he resigned, he still had 28% support. So yep. 28% of Americans still said, he's great. He's terrific. He's doing great things for the country. You might be, you might be right. I think he's going to win re-election. I don't. I don't. So, we're, so I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be right again and I get to be wrong. Right. Well, and it, to me, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that um, the only thing that I don't like about him getting reelected is the drunky McDrunkertons he's going to uh, apply to the court because I think RBG's she's holding on for dear life to mm-hmm. stay in the fucking court. And I don't want to see more frat boy pieces of shit on the fucking court. Um, so that's the downside to him getting reelected. The upside to him getting reelected is sorry to say this. People are going to be upset. He is doing everything. He's pulled every lever that he can to prop this fucking economy up. He is given huge tax breaks to corporations, which they in turn took that money Bought stock yep. to raise the stock market, and the stock market's fucking fluttering, man. Right. It's barely fucking. If you put money in the stock market in the beginning of this year, we're in month ten right now. You did not make any money this year, and that's the first year that that's happened. That means we're plateauing, man. It's fucking right, fucking there. The minute that they don't, get, you take those tax breaks away, you can't buy more stock next year, next next time. It's gonna start to fucking, and then it's all perception, right? So once this thing starts to flutter down. Snowball down. It's going to go down without the tax breaks. Sooner or later, you can tell every right. every time you start seeing that volatility where that thing starts that that needle Flutter. starts starts fluttering a little bit. Yep. Next thing you know, out comes somebody, typically Trump himself, saying, "Oh, we've made some progress on the trade talks." The China, and the, China, China, and the Chinese China. will look at him, look at the press, and be like, "What the fuck are you talking?" We haven't talked to him in months. No, right. I know, right. And then it flutters back up again, and then it flutters back down. But my problem is this. He's done everything to force the Fed to lower interest rates to all this stuff that he's done, which theoretically is never done in a time of economic prosper. You lower tax rates when shit is going sliding downhill to stop the slide. What are you going to do when the slide happens? There's no fucking levers to pull, right? So here's the big picture. If Donald Trump loses his bid for re-election, which I believe he will, um, the polls are getting to be way outside the – the, the, the right wing always says, well, the polls are wrong the first time. Yeah, but they were still within the margin of error. The national polls were really close to the margin of error. And you have X factors like fucking Hillary Clinton was mo- the most unliked person on the goddamn planet. James Comey doing what he did. did doing what he read, and then the Russians doing what they did and everything. There's there's all kinds of shit that went on. I mean, they found bot farms with 100,000 fucking Russian bots in there. They were just fake fucking accounts mm-hmm. posting shit. 
Donald Trump actually tweeted about it the one time. I can't believe I lost fucking 30,000 followers. They were your followers, dude. Those are fake fucking accounts. Those were, they found out those were not, those were Russian fucking Kremlin bullshit. Uh, So, you know, he's blaming Twitter because he's like, they took away my fucking vote. Okay, they didn't take away shit. Those were imaginary. Um, But, so Donald Trump loses his bid for re-election. A Democrat gets into office. And the economy takes a shit. The economy takes a shit. And then who's, look, they're holding the fucking bag, right? Mm -hmm. So, Donald Trump can only fucking do these things to prop things up for so long that he wins re-election. I, I almost have a theory. I don't think he wants to win re-election. I think he does some crazy shit because he's like, he knows if he's out of here, he stands to make a fucking shitload of money. Presidents that didn't make Unless that much. jail. I, I think that in his brain... He thinks there's he thinks he'll pardon himself. There's no chance he'll somehow get out of it. Like he's he's fucking slicker than I fucking whale shit in an ice flow, man. That motherfucker slides through shit like unbelievable. I mean, if you go back through, look at the fucking thing with the stormy fucking thing. Like his attorney, his personal attorney, Cohen, like pretty much turned on him and said, Yes, this guy told me to give her campaign money to fucking shut her the fuck up. And he's still nothing. And a lot of it is, yes, the they can't prosecute a sitting president and all that sort of stuff. So his reelection bid, some people think, is he wants to be reelected so he doesn't go to jail. Statue of limitations, right. But then again, I think Donald Trump's a megalomaniac of the greatest proportions. And he wants over all things – Ratings. He loves to be loved. He he loves those fucking rallies. And those rallies. I don't understand how people aren't disturbed when they see those rallies. Mm-hmm. They like seriously. Like we do not live in a country where we lock up our political opponents. And I mean they've they've been like, can we start chanting lock him up now for Biden? Fucking listen, Biden do anything fucking wrong. Like, did he do something no, that's he didn't not, do anything illegal? Right. Wrong's a different not, question. You can't get locked up on ethics. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff. So what, what what they were doing was no Biden's son swampy and Biden shouldn't be there. And I'm no fan of Biden anyway. I don't give a shit. Why don't these fucking you know children of politicians get real fucking jobs? But and, the, the 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 three front runners, the three highest polling candidates on the Democratic side, are not going to win. They're not. They're not going to win the nomination, or they're not going to win the election. They're not going to win the general election if they win the nomination. The best the best news for the I don't think Biden can. I think Biden's a loser, and I think they're finding that out now. Bernie like can't. Uh, I don't think Biden. I'm not. I was a big Bernie supporter before. I think the I got to be ageism stuff, but yep. I think that he, the heart attack is yep. going to sink him. Uh, why can't Warren? Well, she's <laughs> the, the moment people start looking. Okay, once Bernie and Biden's gone, who's the next oldest candidate? No, yeah, but yeah, but you you would be surprised at how many people are completely surprised that that woman's seventy. Yeah, I I also quite honestly she doesn't hack seventy. I, I agree with you. Um, I also think that the the fact that her signature issue is one in which there is a middle ground that she's unwilling to to utilize, and the other Democratic candidates are, will be her undoing. What's that? Put the public option versus Medicare for all. Yeah. Okay. So and I don't, and I don't necessarily think she's wrong about it. No, I that's a so then the right and you're you're 100 correct. The public is so short sighted and they can only pay attention for 144 characters. 
So they can't seem to get the whole plan out. Well, it's a messaging thing. It's it's public, the public option is it's there if you want it. That is so easy to message. Right, but but the problem with it is though. Listen, you can run the numbers. All these other countries do this thing. If you want, if you want actual reform of healthcare, you need to do something bold like single payer because that single payer can say, "No, I'm not going to give you sixteen hundred dollars for a fucking MRI." No. Right. I'm the only person paying. Right. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to pay for that. And we're going to look at it. And we want you to make a living. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has come out and said that she's not a socialist. She's a, she's a capitalist. But and I, I think that she's, for an intelligent person, she's going about it the right way. Because this question that the news media always wants to ask and Republican want to ask too, are you going to raise taxes? Doesn't that doesn't that's not a question that doesn't fucking matter. If I spend twelve thousand dollars a year out of my pocket well, on the taxes, only thing that is the bottom line, right? So cost. But the answer is yes. Is the answer is yes. But you you listen. We can brush past every other question. I have never seen a question asked of Mike Pence that he answered. Right. Never. Like I've never seen the guy asked a question where he answered the fucking question. And nice. Uh, what's your call it? Um. So when she brushed past it, she's like, listen, she should say stuff like that. That's not how it matters. And Sanders tried to explain it before, too. If I raised your taxes $10,000, but you stopped paying $12,000 right. worth of medical bills, and medical, right. then you just saved two grand, correct? Like It's easy, simple math. Even for the people that hate Common Core can understand that you just paid less, correct? Yes, if you look at the Canadian, um, I'm friends with a couple people in Canada, and uh, I don't keep in touch with them as much as I did when I used to go there twice a year. But they're like, listen, the the we would never leave our healthcare system. You guys are fucking crazy right. for doing it the way you do it. But these are regular middle class people that say this. If you're someone who makes $300,000 a year, you're upset about that because the way they pay for it is a very progressive tax plan. That the more you make, the more you pay. Yeah, but there, there, there isn't enough three hundred thousand dollars making a year folks to make those votes work. Oh, the votes work. No, the problem is the, the problem is the messaging. They can't, you know, the the what Bernie Sanders has going for him is that he is honest. He is very, very honest. He, he's he's a think, true believer. Right. He's not bullshitting you. No. He's not playing politics. He's, he has no interest in playing politics. No, like the I, answer that's what makes him to me. This question, Bernie Sanders, if somebody, if an advisor told Bernie Sanders to, to look, we're not going to say it like that. Yeah, polish that term. Shut the fuck up. Right, right. The answer is yes, and here's why it doesn't matter. Yes, right, right, and that's where she should go, but she doesn't. She keeps wanting to go, well, cost, is, and, and cost is what matters. And the thing that I don't get out of this this whole thing, um, you get people that, the, the a major voting block for Republicans are old people, and they are people that are on Medicare. Yeah, they're already taking care of. But they're already they're on Medicare and they Medicaid, and they are they would never want you to take that away. From them. Oh my God, they can't believe they were so happy to get there in the first place. But then when someone says Medicare for all, they're like, "Well, no." Now, what does that say about you? You're just saying what I got in the lifeboat, pull the fucking ladder up now. Like that doesn't make any goddamn sense. I look at this stuff like also even from an economic uh, standpoint. First off, it's going to cost you less. They have a single payer pay for fucking healthcare. They have a strong arm that they can actually hospitals. The big problem with hospitals are all kinds of people with uh, VP uh, titles sitting in a fucking hospital, not doing much of fucking anything, and making three hundred thousand dollars a, a year. Being extracted out of the economy. 
medical industry. For profit, so. for profit medical industry that we have now. And then you've also got this. People can understand simple things like, listen, if you get rid of private, there's there's so many upsides to this fucking thing. It just drives me nuts. If you get rid of private insurance, all you're essentially doing is getting rid of one middleman that makes a third of the money that goes into the insurance. The guy who the guy who the CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield made some fucking thirty four million dollars last year. Could you imagine a life where every Friday you turned around and there was like seven hundred fifty thousand fucking dollars? It's Friday seven fifty Friday. Uh, dude, like that's a fucking obscene. I don't care what you thought up. I don't. He's running a casino because all they do is run the numbers and they say, this is what it's going to be. This is what I'm going to do to extract this money. That's right. So 30% or 32% of what you pay into Blue Cross Blue Shield goes to profit. 3% of what goes into Blue Cross Blue Shield goes to clerical. All of those jobs stay. They just go over to the government side. There's still someone processing your claim. And somebody, somebody who's listening to some religion, right, mm-hmm. who's making this. Right. Um, well, he's looking for that. He's looking. He knows Biden. Everybody knows Biden's going to fall or, off. Or, or Biden's he's going to start talking about Victrolas and fucking, you know, uh, tandem bicycles and shit again. So, but, but everybody who listens to those arguments is just going to say, look, prove it. Public option. Prove it. Give people the option. If it's that good, which is actually people to just arguments, this is going to be so good. We're going to effectively create Medicare for all just by having this public option. Correct. Right. right. And I'm, I'm listen. I, I've watched this thing for years and years go on, where every time the Republicans set a bar, they set some obscene bar for like tax cuts, and then when Democrats come in and they want to set a bar for a program, they're like, "Well, like Hillary Clinton did." This. Bernie Sanders goes, "Listen, we've got to raise." Everything's in the messaging, and that's why like people start listening to stuff like podcasts. Because when you listen to the news, they got 20 seconds to get you this message, and it's shit that you don't get the thing that you need. I, if I turn the news on, there's so many times I'm like, oh, motherfucker. Like, that, that, like you didn't say three quarters of what you're supposed to say. You didn't fucking say. Right. You can't understand it. So um, the, the the public option thing, the fucking – you can strong arm the, the situation into changing the way that – the money is distrib- you know, distributed in the hospital itself. You can tell them not spending $18 for a fucking aspirin. So you can change the bottom line cost right now. Because you just say, I'm not paying that. Right. This It's it's going to be $2 for a fucking aspirin. We right. got it's going it. to be a government-run industry. Right. Which, which is socialism. It, it is. But so is public schools. So is the fire department. I don't, so disagree, is, I don't disagree with you, but socialism comes to the medical industry as a surefire way to not win. I think the the boogeyman is that fucking word. Yep. And the one the thing that kills me is there's more people in red states living off socialism. Yep. Than the per capita than there are in blue states. So you've got a state like Mississippi where literally sixty percent of the fucking population of Mississippi is collecting a fucking welfare check. Mm-hmm. They're mostly white. Well, oh no. Uh, but. We're voting 100% for the people who would like to take away those programs. What's that? What's that quote? They finally got somebody to say, "Keep your government hands out of my Medicare." Medicare. Well, I've seen the about? sign where people are like, you know, keep your dirty government hands off my. But so the thing that kills them, like, okay, I'm fine with uh, Pete Buttigieg. I'm fine with somebody. We've had almost what was it three years now of Donald Trump, 
And has there been one plan floated for the Republicans on no, health care? No. None. He comes out and he says things like But they don't need one. Why do they need one? Oh no, no, I agree. I agree. It's Their like the, don't want one. it's like the Cubs. They don't need to put a good field team on the field because okay. you guys will show up and watch the games anyway. <laughs> the park will be full, right? They'll make their revenue and they don't need it. So no, you're right, right. Uh, and Donald Trump comes out and he says the Republican Party someday is going to be known as the party who is healthcare. Yeah, but his his own voters don't believe that. They don't care. It doesn't matter. So what's I don't know. So what's the? If you think Republican voters want a healthcare plan, they don't care about that. I think most of them need a healthcare plan. I think they're good and fucking old. Yeah, despite that, they don't want one. No, they they're older. I'm Medicaid. What do they care? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I mean, there's a generational it. thing that's going on right now. What's 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 fun to think about sometimes in a sort sort of sardonic way is the pe- the reason we're in this mess with the people we have elected right now are going to be dead soon. A whole swath of people are going to be dead yeah, soon. Right, right, right. Absolutely. The baby boomers are dying right now. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if in twenty years. The Republican Party looks completely different. Well, and get ready for you think the economic times the last three years have been good. When that baby boomer crowd dies off, you know how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? Oh, because a whole bunch of people are going to die, and they're going to fall off the rolls of yep, Social Security and Medicaid no, and for sure. all the rest. Yes, like, yes, I, I, yes. I, I've never quite understood how thirty percent of the population can die, seventy percent of the population doesn't actually get these benefits, and some mm-hmm. percentage of them won't go on. But I mean, just over the course of 10 to 20 years, it's going to be 30% of people yes, in right, the country right. will be dead. Yes, right, right. No, no, we're, no. Who are, we're not living to be 120, so that's for sure going to happen. Right. Right. So next thing you know, there's going to be an economic boom. There's going to be like a lot of the, a lot of the, the, um, the reform they're talking about doing on government-run programs is laughably unnecessary. Sure, 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 sure. Really? So... I mean, I, I just, I, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the conversation, it, it, as you said, it comes down to messaging, and I don't think there is a winner on the left that can mess it, that has the right message. I don't think they have one. No, no. Well, okay. I see. I think that there's a certain, and I've seen them like marching and everything else. I think there's a certain, let's call it, thirty-eight percent of the population that it does not. And I, it's almost a shameful thing to say, because I always said this about Republicans, that it didn't matter. Republicans are very good at walking lockstep. They will, I mean, watching Jim Jordan and watching Lindsey Graham defend this buffoon has been like, holy yeah, shit. They're, they're professionals. You have given up every bit of respect you could possibly have to defend this guy who raw dogs porn stars. You, 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 this is what you've done. So that's fine. I've always been upset with watching Republicans with in the general public that no matter who they traipsed up there, if they traipsed Beelzebub's dog up there, right. they would vote for him because he's got a Republican. He's the third baseman for the Republican Party. For That's the, my point. Right. So the Democrats are becoming the same animal as far as that goes. They're so blinded by their hatred for Donald Trump and everything Trump that they're, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. I think you're going to see a different uh, turnout as far as people that voted third party, people that did things that, and the other big X factor that's just not there is Hillary fucking Clinton. Listen, I, I didn't want Donald Trump to be president. I, I, the guy's a fucking douchebag. But voting for Hillary is not a fucking peeling at all. Like, nope. it, it was terrible. Yep. You, I, I did the same thing. Felt horrible about it. I almost believed a conspiracy theory that said 
Donald Trump and the Clintons were good friends, and the plan was to get Donald Trump to run on the Republican ticket so Hillary could win. Because it seemed to me a no-brainer that Hillary could not beat Jeb. Hillary could not beat like a regular, wholesome Republican guy. It's a misunderstanding. Right, right, right. Well, right, right. Well, and the misunderstanding of the stupidity of just saying it's going to be the greatest, biggest, best thing, and people believing that sort of thing. I think I think the fun thought experiment is if you could go back, you know, time travel. You could go back in time, and every Trump voter in a room, in an auditorium, get on the microphone and say, "Good news! I'm going to tell you something about the future." But the only thing you reveal to them is, so you're aware, if you vote for Donald Trump. He's actually going to win. Yeah. Would they still vote for him? So, uh, or how many of them? I think there's a certain population in there that loves him for his ability to troll liberals and Democrats. It isn't the 48% he won. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Right. I mean, people got to keep in mind. So I, I don't, I guess I don't, um, when I run the numbers in my head, this is a guy who lost the popular vote. He won the Electoral College on about 77,000 votes, mm-hmm. won in Washington, uh, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Ohio, and Michigan. Like, that's how he put his coalition together to win it. And in those states, jobs, manufacturing jobs were lost. But those, you know, the carrier story, all that went away. And no one ever said, well, they actually did shut that whole plant down anyway. Right. You know, like the end story never got out to those people that are the voters, but the people in the Rust Belt didn't do better. So I don't know if – and then the other – so there's all these X factors. There's a lot of people that were going to vote for Sanders that voted for Clinton – or not Clinton, voted for Trump because what they really wanted was somebody to enact change. They saw suffering in their life. They saw a situation that's it's going to be unobtainable for me to pay for college. Yeah, the, the, the quote I always heard that I think put it slightly differently was Donald Trump wasn't the preferred candidate. He was the murder weapon. Sure, sure. Well, he was he was an agent. He was a fucking hand grenade that he was going to throw into this that's thing. Right. Bernie Sanders was a hand grenade. He was just a different variety right. of hand grenade that was going to go in there. And I wanted a hand grenade also. So there's a, there's a real parallel between me and the Trump supporter, I just looked over the fence and said, listen, anybody that's on the same side as Kid Rock and Ted Nugent, I can't be there. Right. These are morons. Like, you know, the, the Larry the Cable Guy and me can't have uh, fucking the same philosophy. Right. So uh, I'm not even sure Larry the Cable Guy is a wonderful man. but uh, So, like, I, I just couldn't make that leap. But I understood the change. I understand that you wanted something to change something. But don't you think those... those- Bernie-supporting Trump voters think the exact same thing right now? Don't they um, want that same outsider change again, or do you think they've learned their lesson? No, I think that there's all kinds of people that have uh, – I won't go as far as anyone ever learning a lesson when it comes to that stuff. I think they get locked into, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But there are definitely things. If you look at the destruction, look at the destruction that Donald Trump's left in his wake – just from the casino days and everything else, there's all kinds of contractors that had their lives ruined, filed bankruptcy because he never paid them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There are all kinds of municipalities right now who he held a rally in their town and he still owes them sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the rally. So like he's leaving a wake of destruction, and all I'm saying is he's chiseling away. And all you gotta do is chisel away. He won by seventy-seven thousand of the right votes. Chisel away a couple hundred thousand votes and you lose. Is Chiseling away being one thing is, is Donald Trump anti-establishment still today? 
Yes, but yes, if yes. you're, um, I would say that you, you, you're an independent, but you definitely have some thoughts that are conservative leaning. And look at all of the straight up Republican strategists and Repu- the guy who ran the McCain campaign, and like the two people from Game Change that were the stars on the Republican side. They're both fucking correspondents on MSNBC or CNN or whatever they work on now. And they have like left the Republican Party. They were they were Republicans on a level that people that are just, you know, working their fucking job and writing stupid shit on Facebook couldn't even understand. These were people that were died in the they had a card that said, I'm a registered fucking Republican. Mm -hmm. I work for John McCain. And they left the party. So, I mean, look at Bill Crystal. Look at those. There are a ton of people that have conservative values that are like, fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. So, but Bill, Bill Crystal and uh, Chris Murphy, I think, the, the guy uh, who ran John McCain's, I think it's Chris Murphy. No, no, no. It's uh, um, no, no. it's the bald dude. The Woody Harrelson played the character, but he's, uh, oh, it's not Chris Murphy. Um, but Nicole Wallace, I think, is the uh, the the, the okay. chick, and and uh, they work with those, Halen. Those people were never Trumpers in 2016 as well. They may have been registered Republicans, and now they're not. Sure, but they still have a voice and a platform for the past three or four years. You yeah, know, you don't think they want anything over? No, I'm not interested in what they have to say. And I don't think, and, and if I'm not as a consumer of politics on the regular, right? How is it that uh, you can run a Fox News poll and? Pull up fifty-one percent of people saying they should be impeached and removed out of Fox News poll. Gallup just came out; it's fifty-three percent should okay. be, and I don't believe he should be removed. You don't? No, no, no. I think that I think that we're so close to an election; he should be impeached. Let the. Se- I happen to agree with you, but for a different reason. Okay, well, so I think the needle gets moved more on injustice than justice. So if justice is served and if justice was served, he'd be removed. If justice, if injustice is served, that creates outrage. It drives people to the polls and then he gets removed by the ballot. Then you've got nothing to say. Then the American people spoke and he's removed and that's it. I mean, the messaging thing is such a bitch too, because, uh, you know, Al Gore wins the popular vote, loses the presidency. And the first thing that George W. Bush says is the American people have spoken. Right. Yeah, they didn't want you to be president, most of them. So I don't know what you're. Yeah, you know what I mean? the, the, my my case against removal is very simple. The Trump Pence ticket has something like what's the current approval rate? Like 38, 39 yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't even know if it's that high now, but yeah, but so somewhere. 38, 39 percent on the Trump Pence ticket. Yep. Make it the Pence Trump ticket. Then what happens? Wait. Or make it or make it the Pence. Yeah, it's gonna be Pence something else. But Pence is in trouble, too. The Trump just threw him under the bus last week. Yeah, that ain't going to work. I don't know. If, if, he's, if, if Donald Trump gets removed and Mike Pence is the nominee, he's going to win. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, that, that guy's, oh, my God, the, the, just, the, just the gay conversion stuff alone should <laughs> sink a guy like that. I, I just believe the country's moving into a direction that is, you know, even if you're a die-in-the-world Republican, I, I miss the days when Republicans – believed in science, and I miss the days where Republicans didn't think, you know, George Roy Bush ruined that, where they didn't think religion had something to do with Wait, just occurred, politics. It just occurred to me, by the way, you're against removal, but you think Pence would also be in trouble and would, and then in theory, also be removed? Um, I don't know about... Uh, what is it against so, President Pelosi so the, you don't the, like? Right, right. Oh, nothing. I don't think anything to do with Pelosi, but 
the thing that the, the troll in me would love just for the first, like, you know, for a month of the Pelosi presidency to happen, mm-hmm. just because the head's exploding on the other side would be like insane. Um, no, I believe that there is, I think Donald Trump has something on Pence. And I think Donald Trump is a hand grenade. And I believe if he went down, he would let it go. I think he dangled it when he, with the Ukraine call, he's like, you should have heard all the calls with Mike Pence. They were perfect too. (laughs) He was just dangling at something. And then if you watch Pence, he's always looking so adoringly. Like it's insane the way Mike Pence is with Donald Trump. Then this guy is a super Christian and the guy that you're adoringly looking at, Raw Dogs Porn Stars, and like is on a bus saying, grabs him by the pussy, and mm-hmm. he's like on the uh, uh, Howard Stern show saying just the most crude and like, no woman that's got a flat chest could be a pun, like just the most shitty fucking things mm-hmm. in the world. And Mike Pence is adoringly staring at this fucking buffoon. Uh, no, I think that uh, I think that there's some, so there's definitely some dirt on Pence, and Pence would go down. Yeah, I think as far as the left is concerned, the best thing that could happen is people with big or small heads like Hillary She's gonna be No, nah, she's done. Yeah, uh, she's toast. I you know, And Amy Klobuchar, I don't believe this. Nope, she's so have it. she's so mean and everything else. I love that Amy Klobuchar's uh, campaign is that she's never lost. About to happen. Right. Right. That's right. About to happen right now. Um, you know, I don't. I don't see an option. So, I mean the. It's not Biden. It's, it's not going to be Sanders. They're not going to win the general, in my opinion. I think Mayor Pete could. I think. I think uh, that you're. I think you're underestimating Sanders. I do, and, and I'm not even in his camp this time. No, just because he's so old. But I believe. I believe that if you took away the age thing, Bernie Sanders is the very best candidate. He's that, a perfect vice president. Well, he's too old for that. And as a, as a person that wants, also wants. I believe that progressive policies will help move the country forward. I believe that in 40 years, we're going to be basing our leading the planet on education and what we know and tech versus bombs and jets and all this other bullshit. So if we don't start educating our populace in a better way than we're doing right now, I think we're fucked. I think we're going to fall way behind China, who is like really good at math. So we're going to be in trouble. So the way I look at it is progressive. And then the other thing is, is like I look at all these um, tax plans from the conservative side, and I just don't understand how that's sustainable. I don't get it. I don't understand why. I got a lawyer buddy of mine who he's like, hey, you know what? Because I make uh, $300,000 a year, and every April I get a fucking 7% raise because I stop paying into Social Security. Um, I said, you know, my, my contribution's over. I make 128000 by mm-hmm. April 30th, and I'm done. So, he goes, so literally, May happens, and I get a raise. He goes, you look at me dead in the eye, he's like, I don't need a raise. Right. I'm not a guy that needs a raise. And economically, he doesn't help. That 7% he gets, he doesn't spend that 7%. He finds somewhere to put that 7%, and he doesn't spend it. So if you took that 7%, you said, no, dude, you know, you're making all this money. you gotta, you got to still pay into it until you make all your money. So he's going to pay three times as much as he paid before into Social Security. You can take that 21% then, put it at the bottom, and make it that the guy making $23,000 or, or, or $30,000 a year pays nothing mm-hmm. into that fucking system because – Every single dime the guy make, making thirty grand makes goes right back into the economy. 
People that get upset about somebody getting $400 worth of food stamps never make any sense to me. They're like a child. They're like, oh, he took my toy. He's got a thing, and I want that thing. Listen, you own a store. You're going to get that thing because he's going to take it to the fucking store, and he's going to buy fucking lettuce with it. Or don't hide the money. Right. So, like, the other thing is, is that, like, I'll go as far as saying stuff like, if you run the numbers, there is no reason for a billionaire to exist. Mm -hmm. And Tom Steyer says, and Cuban says, we should be taxed out of existence. That's right. This should be a situation where, and people don't understand that either. So you hear that sound drop and you're like, oh, motherfucker, and your head fucking explodes and they're job creators and fuck you, they're not job creators. The only thing that ever created a job was a demand for fucking services well, and supplies. They may be job creators. Mark Cuban's a job creator, right? Point. No, no, he's not. He was. He's not. Consumers create jobs. Okay. If you need a new screen door, and Mark he's Cuban, an employer. How about he's that? an employer that can that can open the factory. But listen, if you if you wiped off the planet, if a if a nuclear holocaust came along and all it hit was every Amazon facility, every Walmart facility, every Target, and everything like that, every big Meyer, every big grocery store that existed, guess what happened? All the little Burkotts and little mom and pops, they would fill the demand for loaves of bread and things that need to be bought. We, we, we're living in this system where we keep funneling. There was a thing on uh, Netflix that was called Explained, and they were explaining billionaires. And the guy's like, listen, it's very, very difficult to take $100 and make $110 out of that $100. But it's very easy, almost inevitable is what he says, to take $100 million and make $110 million. He goes, give me six months, I can make $110 million out of that $100 million, no mm -hmm. problem. So we've made this system that is so easy to funnel massive amounts of money. If people do the math on... What a guy like uh, Bezos has, it's some like obscene, you got to make like a million dollars a day since the day Columbus fucking hit the shore to today, a million dollars a day mm -hmm. to get to $165 billion that this guy's got. It doesn't make any sense for this guy to have this wealth when everybody that, that Bezos employs gets can read, write, do math because they got educated in the public schools, but then Jeff Bezos pays nothing in the public schools. He pays zero fucking tax. What the fuck's going on here? Listen, I, I know that my my vehicle probably puts a pothole or two, or you know, puts wear and tear on the road. But nothing like Bezos's fucking fleet of a hundred thousand trucks that are running around the road, and he paid nothing into the roads. So if you progressively tax someone, and I wish people would look into what that means. That means that if you made $100,000, you got taxed at the 27% rate. If you made $500,000, you got taxed. That doesn't mean that they looked at the end of the year and they said, all right, you made a billion dollars, you get taxed at 92%, they take 90% of the way. Right. You get to keep all that money in the beginning and then you get to get taxed yeah. on the top yeah, end. You wanna, people that don't understand what how Marshall taxes right. don't understand policy. No. I mean, they, also history, right? When's when is Eisenhower, the when's the 92%. That's right, 92%. In the 50s. How are the 50s for America? He's a Republican. Boom. That's the. I believe that's what the people with the red hats are talking about, is the 50s. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is Jim Crow and really that's bad right. for the black people, but they're talking about a time where the Ward Klebers and the middle America and everything was doing great, and, the, and you know our manufacturer was booming. Well, guess what? A guy like Andrew Yang will explain to you that's not coming back. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Yang... When he he did Rogan like six months ago, and I listened to the little podcast, and I was like, "Damn, fucker, smart." Yep. Like he's he's saying shit that makes fucking sense, and he's throwing up red flags on shit 
that we better start paying attention to or we're going to hit a, hit a mm-hmm. wall here. And he got traction. He's he's like fifth or sixth U- on the UBI is this campaign's U- UBI is 2020's uh, Medicare for all. Yeah, well, okay, and I agree. And I wish that people so if we go back to Medicare for all and you look at it from a dollars and cents like you're an employer, if you take away decouple your healthcare from your employer. Now you're you're the employer, right? That's a massive amount of cost that I'm not required to spend anymore. So when your taxes go up. But what but what I'm saying is can't I afford to raise your wages now because I'm not spending that money? Now you you may be spending on that, but if the overall cost is half or two thirds if that's if that's true. Yeah. Right. Then then it's going to be then well if you look at other countries, we spend three times as much as what a Canadian spends, and they live longer than we do. Mm-hmm. Part of that is, listen, if you've got a toothache, you can just go to the dentist. You don't wait till the thing's obsessed. If you've got, you know, stomach problems, you're like, ah, I'm shit and blood and everything else. If you have insurance, you don't go, you don't go until you're fucking got full-blown stomach cancer, and then you're fucked. Mm-hmm. So these people go to the doctor when they start to feel something's wrong because they're not going to pay out of pocket for it. Preventative care. I mean, let me – so – if we did Medicare for all, do you think that would be cost neutral, cost reduction? In, in, cost, does, the other countries have shown that it's cost reduction and the outcome's better. It's like twofold. Well, Europeans live longer than we do. Some, some people say it's like the wheat we're using or something like that. But the, the outcome in Denmark and everything else is way better than no, the I, outcome I understand here. the healthcare outcomes are better. Yes. I'm saying – you are going to have to bring in more money than it, than what we spend now in tax in no, taxes. I don't believe so. In I order believe, to deploy Medicare for all, I, I think the initial okay. So um, in this part of the house, I have uh, regular forced air heat. Right, furnace costs five thousand dollars to put that in. Um, in the other part of the house, I have rating heat in the floor. Furnace costs eight thousand dollars. It costs me a thousand dollars a year to heat this part of the house. So it costs me two hundred dollars a year to heat that mm-hmm. part of the house. The initial investment is more in that situation, but the bills in the long run are way less. So to initially initiate the program, I believe it's going to cost more to get it off the ground. But once it happens, you start reducing the cost of an aspirin from eighteen dollars to three dollars. You reduce the you reduce the hospital stays because people don't wait until their brakes are totally shot to go have the fucking brakes and the rotors fixed. So yes, I there's a reason why a Canadian spends a third of what we what we spend. And I'm not saying a Canadian citizen spends a third. I'm saying per capita, a third per citizen is spent mm-hmm. on health care, a third. Now, you're going to lose one third just by getting rid of private health insurance because that CEO is done. Right. There's a third of it right there, gone. So, no, I believe that in the long run, we are dumb for doing it the way we're doing it. And we do it in the supposedly in the name of innovation, but I believe it's really in the name of greed. Um, we pass laws that, you know, if you make your money passively – you only spend 9.9% interest. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett gets charged 9.9% interest because he makes his money in the stock market. And he's got the thing where he came on and said, he goes, this is obscene. I pay less than 10% taxes, but my secretary spends 28%. Why is that? She works for a living. All I'm doing is shuffling things around with stocks and shit like this. I make my money from the stock market. That was passed with the theory that Grandma and Grandpa, Mima and Papa are living on their pensions and their dividends and stuff well, like that, that. That plus the interest in actually investing in 
Sure, sure, sure. right, way. right. But you're saying what really happens is some some kid that's born with a hundred million dollars keeps making money. That's why the guy with a hundred hundred million dollars can make it into one hundred ten million dollars, no problem. Right. But the guy with a hundred dollars can't because he can't invest it. Right. So to me, it's like I don't know why would a guy that's a plumber that's out there busting his ass, elbow deep in shit, spend thirty percent paying for taxes, and a guy that's just Right around his yacht, buying stocks only spends ten percent. Doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can go further than that and say, why would uh, Olstein not pay any fucking taxes? You're selling an invisible product. You're a goddamn con man to begin with, and you pay zero. That tax thing, man, is huge. I'll tell you what. I've owned a business. You go into the accountant. The things, the levers that they can pull in there. I have seriously gone into my accountant with hundred and eighty grand worth of shit that I know I made. Mm-hmm. And I walk out of the guy's like, he made $65,000. Yep. And I'm like, no way. And I, the first time he said that, I was like, ooh, no, no, no. I go, I'm positive. I know what I made on these jobs. So he goes, I, I go, this is legal? He's like, it's absolutely yep. the code. And I'm like, that's fine if, if it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to make sure I'm doing I'm not going to jail over this. That's right. um, but it's totally legal. And I'm nobody. I'm a fucking guy making $180,000 a year. Some dude that's making $180 million a year, he ain't paying shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, those uh, the Panama Papers. Did you ever watch that uh, yeah. deck? Oh, my God. Those people are getting – that's a huge raise to but get. Most, but most people aren't thinking along these lines. They're not thinking past the surface level, right? So the moment they hear Medicare for all, they, first of all, they hear socialism. Yeah. They hear they raise my down. taxes. Right. Right. If I, if, if I tell people, again, if I can argue to them, I'm going to give you the option – Right. Hey, man, it's just freedom. I'm just trying to give you more choice. Sure. sure. Yeah, right. Well, the other thing is, is, okay, so if you decouple the thing from the employer, then you're also going to promote entrepreneurism, right? There's so many people caught into a job where they have kids. They can't strike out on their own. You're putting an awful lot of people out of work as well. The entire insurance industry. No, you're not. All those clerical jobs stay. The guy who the guy who takes your claim, the guy who processes your 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 claim, all Those the private insurance companies close. Yeah, the only people that are losing the job is the fucking CEO people, because right. all, all that paperwork still needs to be done by somebody. The post office still does the same job. I'm not talking about the post office. I'm talking no, no, no. about the post office is, a, is your is your public option, rather than FedEx. Right. Okay. They still do all the same job. In fact, I'm talking about Medicare for all. I know. When you take away the private insurance, you're still going to have a claim. So we're, we're converting all of these people to government employees. Yes, essentially. Anyone who has actually, anyone who actually does a job, yes. And what happens when AI hits the ball for that claim processing job? That goes away? Then you better figure out how to make UBI work mm-hmm. because right. Andrew Yang's correct. And if, if someone would, so I'm trying to make a parallel between the Medicare for All and the UBI. When you when you when you look at that, you can look at that in a way that the outcome is better, and and you free up people to get entrepreneurism. Right? You can work for if you work for a big corporation and you get your healthcare paid for, and you have three kids, but you could do this same business, but you can't because I, I can't afford the initial get out and right. all this stuff, and I need insurance. My kids job, got, change, job changes will go ballistic. Exactly, which is better for business, right? You can headhunt and get. It's also better for it's better for labor, for sure. Right, but you can also be like, listen, you're really good at writing copy. I want you to come here. You don't got to worry about insurance. You can just come right over. I'll pay you more. Get over here. Let's do this fucking job. And then you can make things smoother as far as that goes. And 
if you're a guy that's like in, a, in trades, you can quit that job at the fucking grocery store and go open that HVAC company. You can do these things because you don't have to worry about where's my kid going to go and he's sick or all this other kind of stuff. So it frees up that the UBI thing. People here, I don't know why the initial thing is always so shitty. When good things happen, the initial thing is shitty. When bad things happen, the initial thing sounds great. And I'll give you an example in a second. But the UBI thing, if you look at it for – if it replaces the welfare system. That's right. Right. That's the way to sell it. Right. It replaces the welfare system you have now and it lets those people work. The, the people that are on welfare today – it ain't because they ain't working. It's because they ain't making enough money to like, you can make $23,000 a year and still qualify for welfare. So if you work at Walmart, let's do the math. You make $9 an hour. You work 40 hours a week. You've made $400 a week times the fucking 50 weeks that you work this year. It's 20 grand. Mm -hmm. You qualify for these fucking programs now. So if you, if you, if those qualifications don't matter anymore, and the boss comes to you and says, hey, well, we want to give you $3 an hour raise and promote you to this fucking managerial job. When you're on welfare, you can't take that job. Right. You're going to lose $25,000 to make $5,000 and you can't do it. You're like, no, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want those extra hours. I don't want to work extra hard. If you get UBI, you're going to get the same amount of money and now you're going to be able to take that job. You're going to be able to take – you can you can take a second job. You can do whatever you yeah, want. The, the, the proper sell um, for UBI is – it needs to be coupled with the removal of other government yes, programs. Yes, yes, It is that absolutely. UBI, first of all, the $1,000 number, number is ridiculous. It's got to be higher than that. Right. But it, the, the – Honestly, if you have a family, it doesn't have to be – I think the only thing that – I see a detriment because I think some people will do like they do in Europe now where families stay together. If you had a family where you had uh, you know, um, six adults in a house and everyone was bringing in $1,200 of UBI – well, you kind of can sustain this situation because you're only paying one property tax bill. You know what I mean? You're, you know what I mean? Like, Maybe. You're not going to stretch out as fast as you were before. But well, whatever that number is, it needs to, the, the pitch. It needs to be coupled with, and you could you could actually just couple whether it's the public option or Medicare for all with UBI and say these two government programs are going to replace ninety percent of the government and, well handout programs. And the other problem is is that if you listen to Andrew Yang. He, there's over 5 million people that drive trucks. In 15 years, those jobs are all gone. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you look into it, the problem is people don't think and, they and now, hold up. Well, well, wait a second. Not just truck drivers. That's the, the thing that everybody always points to is the blue collar, you know, truck driver, that that type of service. Industry. You don't need an education for that job. You can still make $60,000 a year. Never forget that. It's it's, it's the, the high intellect, high, you know, memory, high process jobs are going to be the first to go. It's not the first to go, but they'll, they'll be the ones that will be next. It may be truck drivers today, but it's going to be lawyers next. Oh, sure. Oh, it's already lawyers. Wait, you can go on law.com or whatever. Not just and that, get legal I'm, talking, advice. I'm, I'm talking about AI that does OCR on contract review. Sure, They've sure, already sure, developed sure. AI that beat nine out of ten lawyers. All well, it's going to do is beat that ten. Don't even do it with AI right now. You can go on MD.com, and they will hook you up with a regular doctor who just sits in an office and he, he chats with you about your thing and he'll write you a prescription for, you know, fucking boner pills or fucking something to get you rid of your that's, fucking That's absolutely skin. true, but what I'm talking about is... I'm just saying this doctor, all of a sudden, instead of having an office, a brick and mortar place that takes someone to build and he can only see eight or ten patients a day, he sees 50 patients well, in a day. Okay, but now now take that doctor, take that lawyer, take that, that high intellect type job. Mm -hmm. The moment you have... AGI or uh, general 
advanced gen or artificial general intelligence. Yeah. It's already going to come prepackaged with the ability to do things much better than we can in a host of a host of areas. Going to a calculator can outmath us, right? Yeah, now, oh yeah, right. right? Sure, sure. A database program can outlook things up compared Absolutely. to look things right. up in a library versus having an AI look things yep. up in a database. So you bring these things that are prepackaged in with AI, and then you add the actual artificial general intelligence, which makes it essentially human-like thought. Right. What do I need a doctor for? No, right, 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 right. What do I need a lawyer for? Right. Well, I, I see, and we need to we need to wrap up. Here we're like a little over two hours now, but uh, what you call it? Uh, I think the exciting thing about AI is a lot of scientific uh, medical breakthroughs and stuff are ran by um, trial and error. Like they try this, try this, try this, and it fails. We'll try this. Well, now instead of running all those things with a human, you run it through the AI right. and it'll run those way faster. And once we get to quantum computing and stuff like that, when it gets to be four times as fast as the fastest computer, you're going to start getting cures for things. You're going to start getting things to work out faster. You're going to, faster. Be, able to, you're going to be able to simulate programs on entire universes. Right. You're right, going to be able to right, say, okay, right, I've got right. the earth. I've got my simulated model of it. I'm going to do X. Let's now, we, get, we veered way off and everything else. And I really wanted to go into copyright talk with you. Like, I got a hard out, man. I got to fucking go to... Linux for showing, uh, which well, in that case, copyright mostly sucks. <laughs> well, if you get more time, some other time, month from now or something, come back and yep. let's do it again. Because I would like to do the copyright thing to me is very interesting as far as like you know what from what you're saying, what is copyright and what isn't. I mean, I see the Red Hot Chili Peppers write a song that sounds a little bit like a Tom Petty song, and they get sued, and the court says, "Yep, that's a Tom Petty song, mm-hmm. dude," um, because the melody is a Tom Petty song. And you don't know if those guys subliminally like heard that song and then were in there like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. You didn't even know it, but you wrote a Tom Petty song. And, and as a teaser, I'll tell you my, my main argument against copyright is if you just read, it's in the Constitution. If you read copyright law in the Constitution. The, the purpose of copyright law was to promote the progress of arts and useful sciences. Okay. Anything that gets in the way, so they can of, create revenue to bring it in and keep that copy. Well, the, the the deal was we will give the creator a limited amount of time where it can be theirs and theirs alone, yeah. and the, and what the public gets is people who want to create more content because they can monetize it. Yeah. Sure, sure, so the sure, moment sure. that copyright gets in the way of more content being created, it goes against its purpose. Right. 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 Well, good. All right. But, uh, this is the part of the podcast where I ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, you know, by all means, uh, comment, rate us on uh, iTunes, on, on YouTube, all that stuff. Um, I'm getting away from engaging on social media. I would love to engage with you on, say, the YouTube comments and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all about it. So, uh, you know, do that. And then uh, if anyone out there knows somebody who should be on a podcast, who's got some information, we'd have a good conversation for other people to hear, it is you. Let me know. And I'll, uh, you know, hook you up and we'll uh, sit down and talk. Had a good time. Yep. I always do. Wish I had more time. Uh, All right. Thanks.